0: I can't remember what it is you say for Christmas Eve. Welcome to another shopping day, I think, because that's all it comes down to. Because as far as I'm concerned, Christmas is is online, Christmas is tomorrow, and Christmas is Boxing Day, and today is going to be absolutely manic. Absolutely manic out there. All the people who haven't bothered shopping online will now be getting up. In fact, you should be up at this time of the morning. You should be getting up now, because you're going to need to be in the shops early. Already the queues are forming in Twickenham, outside Sandy's, which is the fish shop, because he sells turkeys. I think this year, I think 600 turkeys. So 600 people will be queuing to get their turkeys, because people like like fresh turkey. And the rest of you just seem to have left it to the last minute, and yet we've known about it all year. We've known it's going to be busy. The shops have moaned, oh, you're not spending enough. And then the other papers you read, they tell you that the shops are absolutely chock-a-block. You can't move in Oxford Street, in Regent Street. My advice is, if you're going to go shopping today because you've forgotten something, then get up now. There's no point in leaving it till later in the programme. That you just you won't manage it because you won't be able to park the car. It'll be miserable. Everybody'll be very stressed. It's a horrible day, really. I mean, I love it because it's nice and nice and cosy and toasty in here. I don't need to worry because I've done everything. I've just got to wrap a couple of things because I did it online. I did it online. And that's the easiest way to do A couple of things I've been out and bought. A couple of things I've been out and bought. But the, but the rest of it, I've thought it's so much easier to order it throughout the year. If you see something and you ask people what they want. Very rarely do you go and buy a present which is, which you haven't checked with the person, whether or not they actually want it. So I thought we'd talk a bit about retail. We've got your texts and emails, 84850. We'll probably talk about Paul Daniels, who is now saying, I'm not sure all my lovers were over 16. And uh, how many people can ever say that? How many people can ever say that? He does admit, though, and I think it's quite interesting. It's very telling. He says that people in show business, people threw themselves at people in show business. He said, I can't remember last Tuesday. He said, let alone 30 or 40 years ago. He does remember picking up a hitchhiker. He does remember giving her a kiss. And he does remember thinking, I think you're underage. So he pushed her out of the car. Not while he was going. I think he'd actually parked up by that time. Because people used to hitchhike. You don't see people hitchhiking now. So we've got that to talk about. Uh, the Queen's Speech, recorded, I think, back in November, if memory serves me. Uh, plus, of course, uh, we'll look through exactly what the weather is bringing us. And answer is not bringing us much good cheer at all, I'm afraid. It's, it's actually uh, flood chaos. And flights cancelled and trains cancelled. It's a blooming miserable time. It's supposed to be happiness. I shall dispense bonhomie and goodwill. The rest should be going, we haven't done half the shopping, we haven't got the sprouts in. And, of course, the shelves, by the end of today, the shelves in the supermarkets will be empty. People, people rush out there. You see people with trolleys, two or three trolleys, piled high... And you do ask yourself, why aren't we better planned for Christmas? Why do we not heed the advice from the media? Why do we not, you know, you should learn as you get a bit older how to do it. I still see people, you know, wandering around and trying to sort of get as many presents as possible. And it just doesn't work. Should have done it ages and ages ago. So actually, let's have a, let's have a chat to, uh, to a guest, shall we? This is, uh, this is uh, Phil Durrell, who's director of Retail Remedy, which is a retail consultancy firm. Morning, Phil.
1: Good morning, Steve. How are you?
0: I'm good. Well, because I'm I'm sorted for Christmas. <laughs> I've so actually done everything. So I've done it all online.
1: You did it all online or are you still le- left with a couple of odd presents for that <laughs> left off off auntie that you need to get and you need to rush out today for?
0: Yeah, no, listen, when you get to my age, you don't need to buy for aunties anymore. <laughs> it's 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 a well-known myth <laughs> that you don't buy for elderly aunts <laughs> and old ladies who are your grandparents died off years ago. <laughs>
1: Well, well, shame on you for not permitting out your auntie, but uh, I suggest there's probably quite a lot of people out there who are still thinking, yes, they may have been smug and think they've done everything online, but then suddenly remember, oh, auntie Flo's coming and I need to get her a little present. Yeah. And that's probably why a lot of these people are shopping. I
0: mean, I've, I've never... I mean, over the last week or so, the streets have been packed. I mean, literally, shops mm. are it, it. I mean, every shop I've been into, there's been a queue for the tills. And I find it a little bit disconcerting. Why can't we plan it better?
1: Well, I think we probably are getting better at planning with reference to shopping online. You know, the internet shopping is, is increasing year on mm. year. And there's, you know, Britain is one of the best places, uh, the most vibrant places to internet shop. We're the best at it, you know, in the Western world. We're better than America, better than anywhere in, in, in Europe. You know, about 13% of our shopping is done online. Gosh. enormous.
0: It is enormous, but, isn't Are we it? better
1: planning? We're better at planning than we've ever probably been. But, you know, the last minute uh, week, etc., is all about the main meal. It's all about Christmas Day. And that is food shopping. And that is the last minute gift. And it's last minute booze. And it's the last minute items that you may have forgotten. And that's all done on the high street.
0: So I was wondering whether or not the reason we do internet shopping is because we're all getting lazy. And we can't be bothered to get the car out, drive into town or sit in the bus surrounded by loads of, of bags and things like that. So yeah, I just sit there and I go onto various sites and uh, I click on something, have it delivered to work, take it home, wrap it up.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. But I think you missed an important step out. And the important step is you probably price search as well. You probably look mm. at the item and think, yeah, that's the one I definitely want. Yes. And then you decide where you're going to buy it from based on the price. Yes. And that price now is, you know, is pan-European. You can get it from anywhere. And, uh, and that's a great deal. I can't remember the last time I bought something for over 50 pounds without checking it on the internet first.
0: Yes, yes, you're right. I actually <laughs> I actually ask friends, I say, listen, if you're at home at the moment in front of the computer, just do a quick price search on this thing and tell me how much I can get it for cheaper elsewhere. Because we've all become, not not mean, we're just a bit more careful with the money that it takes us a long time to earn.
1: Absolutely, and let's let's face it, a third of all the internet shopping is now done on tablets and smartphones. So it's not only the fact that you have to phone your mate anymore, you can do it when you're in the store.
0: Yes, you're right. You do see people standing there with their iPads and and their their mini iPads and stuff like that. But every year I get the same thing from the retail industry. Oh, people aren't spending enough. And then the next day you think, I think we spent over £4 billion this week already.
1: Yeah, I think that um, Christmas seems to come later and later and people, um, certainly in the retail trade, like to sort of bemoan the fact that actually Christmas is coming later and later. But Christmas happens every year same time 25th and generally speaking um it always happens the good retailers do well the poor retailers not so well Uh, and and that's a you know it's it's never going to change you Mm. know good retailers will will not be bleating you know john lewis and waitrose and things will still be really chuffed about everything that's happening in their stores, And there'll be others in the high street that come April say, wasn't yes. well, it wasn't a very good Christmas. It wasn't a very good Christmas because you're probably not a very good retailer.
0: Yes, you're right. Yes, you're right. The funny thing is that, that we're also now well aware of, having, having talked about the price checking, is that a lot of people like to buy in the sales. Well, some of the sales start today.
1: Incredibly. Um, you're absolutely right. I mean, devon started three days ago, and I heard yesterday that Harrods. Yes, absolutely. Harrods had started a pre-Christmas sale um, oh. yesterday. Now, I don't know whether this is true or not, but if, if this is the case, this is absolutely monumental because mm. Harrods never do a pre-Christmas sale. So no. people People doing it earlier.
0: And also, it almost makes... I mean, I feel like writing to all the kids I have to buy presents for and going, listen, Father Christmas doesn't have anything in, but by the time we get to about the 28th or 29th, he might have it in stock. So can you wait? That's (laughs)
1: that's probably because you're a bit of a misery, cos Steve. You need to cheer (laughs) up a little bit. You really do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The funny thing is, I mean, you're you're right about the sales I've just checked out. John Lewis starts at 5pm today. Curry's PC World, 7pm today. And Amazon have brought their sale forward by one day. They're going to start on Christmas morning.
1: I know, I don't like the idea that people are shopping on Christmas Day. You'd really want that that day to be about the family, wouldn't you? Yes. And it's a sad fact that, you know, so many of those presents that are given, probably unwantedly, will end up on eBay that day or the day after. and It's quite sad.
0: Why is it that we, we, I mean, do do we sort of rush around and go, oh, I'll buy that, I can't get what they wanted on the list, I'll I'll buy something else? Because 400,000 men will go shopping today, and traditionally, men aren't the best.
1: No, men aren't good shoppers. They don't write lists. They're very impulsive about it. I mean, the ideal combination, when I used to work at, uh, in the supermarket trade, the ideal combination was uh, a woman and a man shopping with kids because the, ma- the woman would get all the basics. She'd make sure she got everything covered. And the guy would be darting around all over saying, oh, look at this chocolate here. Look at these little presents here. And the kids would be going, can we have this? Can we have this? Can we have this? the basket would be twice as big as it would have been had it just been a lady on her own. Yes. I love it.
0: Yeah, so it, it is good. Uh, Phil, nice to talk to you. Thank you for that. Pleasure, Steve. Happy Christmas.
1: Cheers, bye-bye.
0: Phil Durrell, who's director of Retail Remedy Retail Consultancy. So now you know, men can't do it. Men can't never could, could they? Men are going to rush out today because they've left it, because people are working, although I know more and more people are taking Christmas off. And so some people are, are just, they, they've, they've got like a week now where they've got nothing to do. So they're going to go out shopping, and I know it's only quarter past seven in the morning, but I think that many of you will be getting up going, I'll tell you what we'll do, let's take Steve Allen's advice. Let's quickly get in the shower, let's get out there. Even if we have to wait by the shops, the idea is get in, do the shopping, get out again. You don't want to set off at 10 o'clock this morning. I know I appreciate the fact that I I need you here as long as possible for the numbers. But I'm prepared on this uh, this festive day to actually say, listen, try and get it all done because it'll be over very quickly. Two days of stuffing your face with turkey, and you'll be so sick of it. You'll be so grateful for me and the respite and the rudeness which will emanate afterwards. Because I've got two Christmas dinners this year. I absolutely love Christmas dinner, so I'm having two Christmas dinners. I've done everything. There's nothing I need. I've got a little, you know, bottle of champagne here, bottle of champagne there, which is quite nice. 84850, Have you done it online as well, though? I'd be curious to find out whether three-quarters of my listeners are online shoppers. I reckon you're all online shoppers. I reckon you do the same as I do. You go online and you go, you, you don't even need to get, if you want to buy a book, you go to Amazon. You see what, what the price is. I look at sometimes the high street retailers, Waterstones and places like that, and I look at the, uh, the books and I think, are they offering a discount? So they'll have a book at nineteen ninety nine. I go to Amazon, they're doing it for 6 It's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. Why would you want to spend money on the high street? I know people say you want to see the item and you want to touch it. But I'm sorry, I'm in the business of trying to save money. And if, you, if, if Christmas is going to cost parents, on average, between £500 and £1,000, then, to be honest with you, you could do better, couldn't you? You can get better advice and start saving a bit more money. Will you be watching the Queen's Speech? Does it really make any difference? She records it. In fact, this one she's recorded back in... I think the end of November they do it. I think radio stations get it in at around about that time. It's available for people. It's just that you can't play any of it out. So they do a little tease. And, of course, she's done a little tease about the Olympics, which we knew she would have to. Plus, uh, I'm not sure all my lovers were over 16, admits Paul Daniels. 16 minutes past seven. Steve Allen. I'm now covered in glitter. I've opened three Christmas cards. One, I tell lie. Four Christmas cards, and each one of them got loads of glitter on. So I've got—I'm absolutely covered in the stuff. Absolutely covered in it. Anyway, it's nice to be company. Welcome to Christmas Eve on LBC. 97. December. I it seems, i feel as like I've been here all day for some strange reason. Have we got the extra lie in this morning? That was very nice indeed. But uh, and I did manage to sleep on a little bit later, which was uh, which was pretty good going. Seven twenty is the time. Just in case you are desperately trying to get out to go and do some shopping. And, uh, heading into London for my- So, what did I say? Seven? Shop at... I think some of the shops are open already. Absolutely. You can go to any filling stations. The Marks and Spencer's open. Already there's one at Shepherd's Bush. We've got one down the road from me. They're all open. The, uh, the fish shop's open in Twickenham. Loads of places right. The Green Grocers is open. Yeah, absolutely. All the Polish people eat fish. Christmas Eve. You know, so, uh... Me, me, myself, I'm really not bothered to... I couldn't give three, three eights after a fish on Christmas Eve. Thank you very much indeed. Michael J. Fitch is heading into London uh, at his annual Christmas show, listening. He says, hope you're well. I am very well indeed. Richard Hakea and family sent me a lovely Christmas card, covered in glitter, so that's Richard, Rebecca and Lilian Hakier. No, lots of Lilliannes, which is quite nice. Uh, and from, uh, from Christine, who says, I wake up every morning at four o'clock. Must been a bit of a shock this morning when you wake up at four o'clock, and now you discover me on a little bit later. Jane from Surrey, thank you very much indeed, and uh, Philip, who supports St Luke's Hospice. Thank you very much indeed for those ones. Coming up in half an hour, we'll kick off LBC's review of 2012. I'll be talking to Imran Khan. That's the lawyer for the Lawrence family after Stephen Lawrence's killers were jailed in January, so you can stay tuned for that at 7.45 today. And don't forget if you go to the LBC website... For the Year in Pictures, which is lbc.co.uk, somewhat different programme today, because it is Christmas Eve and it is the time when you're all going out and you're doing the retail shopping and you're trying to get up early. And then, strangely enough, the church jump in on it as well, and they complain bitterly. In fact, I think this time it's the former Archbishop of Canterbury, Lord Carey, who says Christmas time is a time to be together with the family, to focus on the children and have a great time together. This day is very precious, Christmas Day, but as we all know, firstly, uh, Christ wasn't born on Christmas Day, it was July somewhere, the calendar got changed around, and secondly, there'll be loads of people listening at the moment who don't have any family, loads of elderly people, you know, people who've, who've missed, they don't have a family to go to. In fact, you've only got to speak to any of the big charities, Crisis at Christmas, to be just one, to find out how many lonely elderly people there are. They don't have any family, they don't have friends who visit. Some people lead very isolated lives. London can be, as we've said before, one of the most depressingly lonely cities in the world. You can go up north and people... Everybody talks to you up north. Most disconcerting, you're standing by a bus stop and perfect strangers have conversations with you. Down in London, somebody starts talking to you at a bus stop, you're secretly dialing 999, trying to get the police to come and have them removed. You know, somebody the other day, I was walking out and somebody put their, arm on, their, their hand on my shoulder. Well, I nearly turned around and hit them. I mean, I really did, not I realised it was somebody I was out shopping with. But anyway, you know, it's just one of those things you don't like. We don't like to be touched in London. We're not very good at touching. Although, if you read the papers over the last six months, you'd never believe that, would you? Chris um, uh, wrote in and said he likes doing his shopping early, but again, like me, does it online. And most people have finished, but it will be men who'll be suddenly realising that in all the panic, what have you forgotten? To get something for the wife. And so they rush out into the store. Same thing every year. And they've got no idea, they've got no idea what perfume the wife uses. They just know that, you know, it smells like cats and it's it's fine. And so you just go, tch, tch, like that, mace, okay? And they put it. so they've got no idea. So they rush into the store and, and they try and buy underwear. And they try and buy perfume. And everybody knows that because men don't know what it is, the girl who sells the most perfume is the girl with the biggest bosom on the counter. The one who'll be leaning over the counter. Ca- and she will sell the most perfume because all men will go in there and she'll be going, would you like to buy this? And they go, I think so. Has it come gift-wrapped? Certainly does. Comes in a gold box, red ribbon, all very nice indeed. Put it in a nice bag. There you go. Man doesn't have to do anything. Just hand over the credit card or the cash. That's all you have to do. You don't have to do anything like that. And so he takes it home and the wife opens it Christmas morning thinking, what the dick? I don't even wear this stuff. I don't even wear it. But they put it on thinking that if that's what he likes. But, of course, he doesn't know what it smells like anyway. Most men have got no idea. But most women, unless they're very young, most women know exactly what perfume, and they've been wearing it for ages and ages. Lorraine says, Asda at Dagenham opened at midnight, was packed solid. Yes, I like shopping late. I like, I do late shopping. I can do... I can do very, very late shopping. Oh, I tell you what, they showed it again the other day on the television on BBC... No, it wasn't, it was ITV2. This blooming pantomime that was filmed ages ago. It must have been filmed about three or four years ago. So I watched that, and I watched a, a rather lazy come dine with me, which wasn't, wasn't particularly brilliant, I'm afraid. Uh, Les and Sandra Burlington in Lewisham... Season's greetings to all the backroom staff at LBC. If only they were and remained backroom, it would be so much easier for everybody. But sadly, nowadays, they emerge from the shadows, Les and Sandra. So not so much backroom as kind of front room. They're kind of there. Backroom insinuates they're sort of somewhere behind me in the building, but they're not. We wish you a very happy Christmas and a very happy New Year. Thank you. Neil Morrissey is doing panto in Dublin. Oh, it's good. Everybody's doing panto. Everybody's doing panto. Uh, Steve, I went to... uh, Waterstones for a book. £29.99. Surf the net for the best price. Got it for twelve forty nine at WH Smith with collect from the shop. A bargain. A bargain. Yes, I, I mean, I, you should shop around for these things. Uh, Sun Jane Croydon says, I'm doing my Christmas shopping this morning whilst I'm listening to you on the iPhone. Local Asda, says Angela, uh, opened at midnight. By one o'clock, the car park was almost full and there were queues at the tills. Brilliant. Um, and one here... Says, Mike, he says, can we please drop the entire thing about buying presents and retail activity connected with Christmas? It's not about that. You're letting the corporate world think it is. Let's concentrate on goodwill and embracing fellowship. I don't want to do any embracing of any fellowship. Thank you very much indeed. We don't need that touching malarkey. It's not very pleasant. We don't want to do anything like that at all. So, But, but we, we do like buying presents. A present is something that you buy for somebody. And it's significant, isn't it? You say, thank you very much indeed. You've been very nice this year. Here's a box of chocolates. You know, or we like you very much indeed, and here's a bunch of flowers, or here's some perfume. We like buying presents. It was always done. It was always done at this time of year. That's why the Christmas box came into being. And it was done because people at work bought somebody they Christmas box. And in the Christmas box was something very nice. And, uh, and it, was, it was just lovely. It was, it was a little present. It was a little thank you. It was to say thank you to you for being good throughout the year. I mean, I'd be mortified. I mean, I didn't get a present from the boss this year. Beating around the bush, I did not get a present. I'm not going to make a big thing about it. You know, because I'm assuming it's just a slight oversight and I'm going to get home and there's going to be two live reindeer with a sleigh that is packed full of toys. That's that's the kind of thing I'm thinking he's bought for me. But on the other hand, the other side of me is thinking, he's from up north, he won't have spent a penny piece. You know, I'll probably get a small mince pie or something like that. And I do like a small mince pie. In fact, over this festive season, I think I've eaten more mince pies than I've ever eaten at any other time in my life, and they do vary. But I was saying to somebody earlier that I watched Nigel Slater's... Is he the man who does the river thing? And he yeah, he does river cottage, doesn't he? Is that Nigel Slater? No, it's, in, uh, it's Hugh Fernley Whittingstall, isn't it? Was it Nigel Slater? I don't know which one Nigel Slater does. He's the observer, is it? Well, anyway, he did little sausages, the little cocktail sausages, in a frying pan, with some... Onions, quite delicious, and then on top of that, two big dollops of cranberry sauce, and then some real fresh cranberries. He said you can use frozen cranberries. Stirred it all up, and the cranberry uh, stuff melts all over the sausage. It looked delicious, and I thought, I thought that's quite nice. I thought that's that's a nice thing to do. So I, I thought I might make it later on today. And I don't cook. I'm not a cook sort of person. I can't actually cook. I'm a bit like Amy Childs. Well, actually, I'm more realistic than Amy Childs, I'm afraid. She's in the paper today saying she can't cook. She said, I'm trying to learn. I thought, well, speaking English has been a bit of a hindrance for you so far, so cooking may take a little bit longer. So we'll talk about the Queen's speech. I want to know whether or not you have done all your uh, your Christmas shopping. Text and email, or you can give us a tinkle as well. It's one of those rare occasions where I might open up the phone lines. I haven't quite decided whether or not do yet. And uh, whether or not you, some of you might enjoy... You might enjoy the jostling on the high street. I don't. I spend my whole time worrying about pickpockets. I do. I spend all my time clutching my little wallet. I thought, I don't want anybody to... Anybody comes close to me. Ooh, invading my space. 84850. And also, if you're in that part of the country where you've got the water, I mean, Christmas for you must be an absolute nightmare, especially as some people have now been flooded two or three times. The Queen's Speech. Do Do you think the Queen sits down and watches the Queen's Speech? I think she watches herself. The answer is, I think she does. I think the whole royal family sit down, although they're not all going to be there this year, are they? Because William and Kate are with her parents. That'll be a bit of a dumb... I mean, what would you rather go to? We'd rather go to Sandringham and have a big thing with servants and everything else or go to some little pokey place in Bucklebury, you know, and have sort of some locally killed turkey and to put up with the, with the family. I mean, William, I mean, he, he's so used to sort of having everything done for him. I know he's relatively normal, but given the choice, Sandringham, the Queen, Prince Philip, bit of a laugh, you know, or, or the Middleton family in Bucklebury. It's a no-brainer, as far as I'm concerned. It's the royal family and Prince Philip getting tiddly after Christmas lunch and coming up with some bawdy jokes. I mean, that's what, that's what Christmas is about in the royal family. Princess Anne going, ooh, Mummy, ooh, Mummy. You know, it could be just great fun, or the Middletons. It's 730 morning he says try to sound all cheerful like woo, you know which is the kind of thing which really annoys you if you turn on the radio first thing in the morning and there's somebody on you know when you're really stressed out trying to work out how long it takes to defrost your bird and, and I've often said, well, it depends whether you bring them in from the bus shelter, doesn't it, really? Cause sometimes, you know, sometimes it takes ages by the time you've lit the fire and all the rest of it. But do remember, you know, if you haven't started defrosting the turkey by now, you bet, it, bet, it might be one of those things where you wrap it in a plastic bag and drench it in hot water because it's got to be fully defrosted before you start cooking. hate to point out the patent, the obvious. You can't put it in the oven frozen. It's got to be thawed out. That's why a lot of people, more and more people, I'm delighted to say, are going for a fresh bird. You know, for, th- for that, read any ITV2 programme. So uh, I'm trying to find out this morning whether or not you do the same as I do, the shopping online, a few things. If I'm in the high street, I don't specifically... Oh, I tell a lie. I did tell a lie. I do beg your pardon. I did specifically go out about two weeks ago to find something in Zara. And I can't find anything in Zara. I can't find anything to fit me to start with. And I can't find anything in the store that would vaguely resemble. Me. So I'm looking around. In the end I have to ask somebody for this particular perfume because one of my brother's daughters wants this this perfume. And so I've had to uh, so I've had to sort that out. Thank you. And so I shall be doing that. Then I've I've wrapped and I've done everything else, which is very good. And um and so all in all it's it's actually gone quite well this year. It's quite... I've, I've, I've re-gifted as well. I don't know if you've have you ever re-gifted. That is terrible, isn't it? You know, the, the re-gifting is where somebody gives you a present, you go, oh, that's really lovely. And you're saying, what the dickens am I going to do with that? So I have been... no, Not this year, not this year, but in previous years, I have re-gifted things. Somebody, somebody gave me a, a present for Christmas, and I thought, oh, that's nice. Right, that's being re-gifted. In fact, I think I remember saying to them, I should be re-gifting that to somebody else, and you give it to somebody else. David Niven did it one year the actor, David Niven, and the reason I mention him is because he regifted a cigarette case. Unfortunately, he didn't open it, and the person who gave it to him had it engraved inside. To David, well, all the very best, you know, from whichever the actress was. So the person who actually received it went, I think this is for you. You've just sent it on to somebody else. Interesting, isn't it? Plus, of course, there's going to be seasonal alcohol this year. And all the papers are full of cocktails. People like doing cocktails. People like, you know, enjoying that side, the festive side of putting your feet up. Whereas, strangely, I don't do that at Christmas. I don't... I hardly drink at Christmas. Hardly drink... Oh, blimey, I've got loads of texts and emails to get through. Uh, hardly drink anything at all. And, and the reason I, I, I don't is because I've got to do driving. I don't want to add to the police statistics... I don't want to be another person on the uh, on the road. Karen says, I'm so happy that he ain't heavy, he's my brother. The Hillsborough song is made Christmas number one. I lived in Sheffield. I feel guilty because I was watching the game and thought, oh, here we go, typical footballers. So it is number one. I think it's sold 49,000 more copies than James Arthur. So at least we've got a charity record and the money goes to a good cause, which is good. But I think also James Arthur's single went to charity. I'm pretty certain that the money raised from that was going to hospices, so at least they will raise money. And the other good news is that Elton John's uh, Goodbye England's Rose has raised £38 million for the Diana Memorial Fund, which I thought they were winding up, actually. I'm a bit worried about the Diana Memorial Fund. I I thought it was being wound up a long, long time ago. Uh, Neil says, so I've got this new job, only for a couple of weeks. Got a great view, see lots of people, and I've developed this limp Something to do with a rather large tree branch and some splinters. There we go. Lovely. That's <laughs> so you, so you. I know, Neil, but they're all very worried about you around here now. And Lorraine's even more worried, I should imagine. Uh, Marion went off to do what I recommended people do ages ago, which was go and visit Father Christmas in Lapland. So very early, they went off. That was her and her goddaughter Kitty from Stansted to see Father Christmas in Lapland. So I'm assuming you probably flew into Kittler because that's where they generally fly from. We did Canterbury Travel. There's a number of companies that do it. And we flew in to Kittala and from there took a coach to Luosto, which is where we stayed. And it was it was absolutely wonderful. She said it was great. Children were singing and telling jokes on the outward flight. The stewardesses and the pilot joined in the fun. So who who, who was kind of flying the plane? You know, a little bit worried. Pilot comes out. Hello, everybody, I'm the pilot. Dah! Everybody runs for cover. We did so much. Snowmobile, reindeer, husky rides, sledging down slopes, skiing on the ice, walking along candlelit paths and a visit to the Ice Palace where we sat at ice tables and chairs covered in reindeer skin for a couple of hot chocolate. We ate in the fairy-lit restaurant, spent many euros in the souvenir shop and then we went on our own sledge to visit the great man himself. We were well wrapped up. It was minus 25. It was one of the best days of my life. This 61-year-old became a child again, totally in awe of the magic of Santa in Lapland. Well, I, uh, I've said to people, if you want to do something and the kids are of a certain age, they have to be of a certain age, then then go and, and, and do it. It's not cheap. It's not a cheap thing at all. But it is the most magical thing that you'll ever do because there appears to be nobody out there. There appears to be nobody in Lapland. You're inside the Arctic Circle. It is bitterly cold. But the moment that you meet Father Christmas, and hereby suspend all belief in anything, ladies and gentlemen, because there might be young people listening, it is, <coughs> excuse me, the best thing you'll ever do. It is absolutely the best thing you'll ever do. and we, we talked about it for years afterwards. We had to do a song. We had to learn a song on our coach. And we, and we, by the end of it, we're all going, we don't want to sing this song. But literally, two days in, we're all singing this song with great gusto. Chucking it down here, says Noreen, no shopping for us today, all done. Good for you, good for you, which is, uh, which is excellent. Uh, happy Christmas to Kevin's wife, Emma, daughter Millie, and six-month-old son, Joshua. He says, I'm not working on Christmas Eve for the first time in my working life. Yes, strange enough, I am working Christmas Eve. The same as every other Christmas Eve in my working life. I don't think I've ever had Christmas Eve off. I don't think I've ever had it off in my life. Uh, Matthew says, I'm working all day today and all day Boxing Day at the Odeon. Last night we had a test screening of the new Tom Cruise film, which is very good. I don't think it's being lazy doing online shopping. Why should I go to a local independent who's going to charge me 40 quid more than if I got it from Amazon? Yes, or Play.com or any one of the other places. I, I mean, I agree. It does, it, it does come down, I'm afraid, to saving a little bit of money. That's what it comes down to. David and Katie, who live in the town centre of Guildford, he said, I can see out the diner room window. It's busy already. Car's coming in early to park up. We've taken your advice this year, Steve, and ordered a turkey crown from M&S. No waste, and a nice plump bird. woo Sounds like Guildford all over to me. So, uh, have a nice... I think the turkey crown was the best thing. Unless you've really got a lot of people coming round, it's, you know, you don't need a huge, huge turkey. And I've watched all the programmes on the telly, and I've watched all the... All the advice on how to cook it. And it'd be great if you've all got big enough kitchens and you've got this huge... Well, of course, most of you haven't. Most of you haven't got that kind of room. So you end up having to do things at home on a, lim- on a limited space. And on limited space, I'm afraid, it does tend to be Turkey Crown. Unless you've... I mean, I would love to have a big farmhouse kitchen. I remember watching that, that great American film called Christmas in Connecticut. It's a great film. I can't remember who stars in it, but it's, it's really good. And it's about a woman who writes a column for a big magazine in America, and she writes about her wonderful kitchen. And she says, and I look out over the kitchen, and I can see the cows in the meadow and this. And she goes through the whole thing, and it gets up to Christmas. Christmas is a wonderful time in the countryside. And, of course, the truth of the matter is, she doesn't live in the countryside. She's got a little, a little sit in town. And so she's invented and fabricated this entire life. And, you know, I can see... And, and she gets the local restaurant to cook the food, the recipes, to try them out. And she gets caught out... Because the owner of the magazine says, listen, we've got some soldiers who've been injured in the war and we'd love them to come and spend Christmas at your farmhouse. We'll pay for everything. Of course, you didn't have a farmhouse. It was all very embarrassing. But a lovely, lovely film. And uh, something that, if you like Christmas, then you love that kind of thing. I buy everything. I buy everything. Andrew and Keisha, temporarily not in Tottenham for Christmas... Say, so we're finally awake early enough to listen to you live. We're about to get out early to do the last bits of fresh food chopping. Thankfully, all the presents are under the tree. It's going to be a busy time. Glad to have you on as we set about the morning. And in case we don't get a chance, please wish Noreen and all the usual suspects the most merry of Christmases. So, Merry, Merry Christmas to all of you. Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. Lindy, thank you very much indeed. Uh, one from... I've got lots of Jackie Lawson cards. I haven't even got around to uh, opening at the moment yet. Uh, did our shopping at 2am Asda, says Christina and MS. Just need to go to the butchers for a nice leg of lamb. Going to visit my old relatives, who used to work for Alexander McQueen. And I'm now wrapping a few more presents, but we've got everything. I'm very relaxed at the moment. Um, right, very quickly, some uh, flip backwards and forwards. Moz and Sam say, Fog-like soup and Soto Grande on the Costa de la Luz. A nice 65 to 70 later. Uh, Anne says, I'm just off to do a diabetic clinic, collecting the turkey later, midnight service. <laughs> Somebody says, Steve, I've been with my bird for six years and she's still defrosting. Thank you. Uh, when I bumped into you in the garden centre in Fulwell, you were very friendly, says Bob. In uh, Ashford, thank you, uh, Charlie and Jake and Jay, listening at the home at, at home rather than the lorry. Going to start making mince pies and sausage rolls. Been to the butchers to pick up the turkey, and uh, and one here says, "I'd rather live in Bucklebury than the overflow town to Hounslow." <laughs> oh dear! Well, you mustn't be jealous. You mustn't be jealous. It's not your fault. It's not your fault that you're that you're not one hundred percent in the real world and. Uh, I think it's a lovely town, actually. Probably better than where you live, I suspect. Uh, Tracy from Billericay, huge fan. And made me get up early to go and collect the turkey. Fun, 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 Steve. Well, listen, the better you get it done, the better you get back. Brian says, I don't cook, but I'm good at warming things up. The panto was about ten years old, Ever looked so young, says Janet. And Sydney says, what's the most expensive present you've ever received? I've got no idea. Because I never ask how much presents cost. I'm far too polite to say to somebody, how much did you spend on that? I know one of my presents this year is a beautiful vase that we saw in Chelmsford, which lights up, it's in a crackle glaze. And it's, it's quite beautiful. We saw it in a shop and it went, it's got me written all over it straight away. Castor Peter Rabbit and his friends performing at the Brentwood Theatre at two this afternoon before dispersing to all corners of the country. They return to perform eight more times. Between Christmas and the New Year, says Mark, would love you to join us. Thank you very much indeed. I wish. I wish. I don't have enough time over Christmas. I absolutely do not have enough time, which is a shame. It's uh, quarter to eight. (laughs) Morning, 13 minutes to eight. A week today on New Year's Eve at six o'clock, we have a special programme for you on LBC 97.3. The LBC 97.3 News Review of the Year, a journey through some of the most significant moments of 2012, including this. Justice at last for
2: Stephen Lawrence. Two men are found guilty of one of Britain's most notorious unsolved murders. Joy, relief and anger from his parents.
3: Today is not a cause for celebration. How can I celebrate when my son lies buried? Gary Dobson and David Norris will receive life sentences tomorrow. Before Stephen's death, um, I was I just an ordinary mum, really, just um, trying to survive day to day. And, you know, children are doing really well at school, come home in the evening, cook a meal, you have your chores to do, and that was it, and, and then it all changed. Uh, what
4: were you going through during, during the last trial, during the trial that finally saw two of the men responsible for your son's murder brought to justice...
3: I sat there for days in, days out. And at one point, I really believed that they um, they were on the side of the individuals. I really believe that, you know, the defence, um, when we were called down to say that they have reached their verdict, my heart was in my mouth. I remember shaking, sitting down. And when they said, guilt, you know, I just could not believe, you know, tears came to my eyes straight away. And I waited until I was back upstairs in the witness room before I actually really cried out, because it was just... The relief that I think for years that we, we believe that these men were
0: responsible. Doreen Lawrence, well, here to talk about the trial and the eventual conviction of Gary Dobson and David Norris for the murder of Stephen Lawrence is Imran Khan, the Lawrence family lawyer. Imran, good morning. Good morning. Tell me first of all about your involvement with the Lawrence family. Were you there from the very beginning?
5: Yes, I got a call um, on the day after the murder and um, met. Uh, Neville and Doreen, on the Sunday afterwards, so the 24th of April, and I've represented the uh, the Lawrence family, and more recently, Doreen Lawrence, uh, in relation to, uh, I suppose, all parts of the case, so during the inquiry, uh, during the private prosecution, and, and finally during the course of the conviction of uh, David Norris and Gary Dobson.
0: How, how did they strike you at the very beginning?
5: Well, Neville was a strong one at the beginning when I mm. met him. Um, Dorian, I hardly saw. She was incredibly upset. Uh, but as time went on, uh, Dorian started taking um, a, a greater role and and became stronger. I think during the course of the struggle uh, to get justice. So I, I think the role sort of changed, but. Uh, Recently, they've both been very much at the forefront of trying to get justice for, uh, for
0: the murder. Mm. Uh, you were there for the MacPherson Report, which, of course, described the Met Police as institutionally racist. Did you think it would take so long to get a conviction of the man who killed Stephen?
5: Uh, I think, honestly, I-, I thought we would never get it. Uh, the double jeopardy mm. laws changed in 2005, and even then it was a question of so many police officers having investigated the case that uh, we didn't think there was anything more to investigate and short of somebody coming forward and giving evidence or confessing. um, I didn't think the forensic um, elements in this case would ever change to such an extent that we would be able to bring this. So I don't think any of the family had any hope, any anticipation, because there were so many uh, false dawns during the course of the last 19 years that... Uh, Every time that somebody came forward and said, uh, I have some information or I have some new evidence, that hope was dashed. And so when the police did eventually say, we have some forensic evidence, I don't think the family, certainly Dorian, didn't um, anticipate or think Mm. or even possibly uh, believe that um, there would be any convictions in the course of of this case.
0: And so when they were actually convicted?
5: It it was a huge surprise. Uh, As Dorian said, it was a relief, but... But even during the trial, and I sat through most of this, and I'm a defense lawyer mm. um, by trade, uh, Dorian says that she felt that the defense team were able to put forward things and she felt that they would not be convicted. But I knew what the strength of the evidence was when the police told me, and having done these sorts of cases before, you get an idea of how strong this evidence is and what the jury are going to think of it. And I certainly felt during the course of the trial that there would be convictions. And so it wasn't so much a relief for me, but it was... Uh, for Doreen, uh, a huge weight off her shoulders. And, and certainly as far as I'm concerned, we, I was involved in the private prosecution and we failed in the private prosecution. So in a sense, there was a bit of redemption for the lawyers to ensure that we did get some justice, partial justice, Doreen calls it, uh,
0: for Stephen's murder. Now, David Cameron and Nick Clegg uh, are understood to have written to Doreen to reassure about the coalition's commitment to racial equality, but this, this came after she accused the government of wasting chances to improve race relations.
5: She, she did, and, and it's unfortunate that this government has taken that stance, and um, Jack Straw, who was Home Secretary when the inquiry was done, has said publicly that he thought the one thing that he wanted to be remembered for as part of his tenure in government was Stephen Lawrence's inquiry and the report that came out of it. And you would hope that those in coalition now would have effectively done the same thing and, and saw the Lawrence case, the inquiry, and what Dorian has been doing as something to to champion. But uh, far from it, they've been watering things down. And, and it's, it's, it's really unfortunate when things have been done this way and Dorian's got justice. Uh, I think the coalition government should be coming forward and supporting her, not ignoring her, as as appears to be the case.
0: Absolutely. Have have, have you two swapped Christmas cards this year?
5: Uh, We will do, in the next
0: couple of days. Good. Excellent. Imran, nice to talk to you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Imran Khan. Uh, the uh, lawyer for the Lawrence family giving us her perspective on the conviction of Gary Dobson and David Norris. It's, uh, what is it now? Six minutes to eight. It's Christmas. You should have actually got up by now. It's no good lying there in bed, unless, of course, you really have finished everything. But, of course, you can't have done, can you? You cannot have finished everything today, because there's always going to be something. You'll be going, oh, blind, we've just forgotten that. You have to remember, if you're going to people as well, this is what I've, I've learned through bitter experience, if you're going to friends and family... And they say, oh, there's going to be somebody else there. you better take an extra present. Because there is the off chance that what happens is that somebody, you'll get there and go, oh, look, Stephen's arrived for lunch. Goody. And uh, so we'll sit down. And then the person who you don't know that well goes, oh, I just got you a small gift. And you've got nothing for them. So what I do is I have in the car... I have Christmas cards which are partly written, and envelopes, and so I can quickly go to the boot of the car, and then the action of lifting up the boot, I can write with my right hand to, for example, say, Noreen, love, Steve, and put a couple of kisses, because you want to make a mistake, do you? And then you, you to lift the envelope and put that down, and I can produce a present. At the same time, I go, it's in here somewhere, I'm trying desperately to find the present that is appropriate. It's like the brand tub, it's a bit like that. So I've always got a present for somebody, and it generally turns out to be a candle. Because you can't go wrong with a candle. Not like a stick candle, you know, like a, a glass candle. <coughs> so if you, if you receive a candle from me this year, you know that you weren't thought of. you would kind of like an afterthought. But the boot of the car at the moment has got all sorts of things. In fact, I'd better keep quiet about it, because if somebody breaks into the boot of the car, I've lost most of Christmas, I'm afraid, at the moment. But I was looking at a cocktail in the paper today, and there's one here which has got uh, sweet vermouth. I don't even know anybody he kept vermouth in at the moment. And then you put commis pears in it. And then, of course, the best bit for me, it says five tablespoons of vodka. For that read, half a bottle. You know, what's the point of five tablespoons of It looks quite delicious. And there's one here called a black rose. A black rose. And there must be so many different cocktails. You've probably got your own favourite. This one is uh, 11 ounces of blackberries, 10 ounces of dry vermouth. Again, we're back to the vermouth. So it's either the sweet vermouth or the dry vermouth. And then it's got white caster sugar, small, very dark red or black rose petals to serve. We've heard of such a thing. Actually decorating, you know, something. But this one looks gorgeous. It's called Cream Sherry Truffle Cups. And it just looks wonderful. Use double cream, organic egg yolks whisked. Making myself hungry now. Uh, strong black coffee or diluted espresso. Sweet sherry. There you go. That's, the, that's the, the sweetener for me. Dark chocolate, about 70% cocoa. And some milk chocolate. And then the finishing touches are extra chocolate shavings. Uh, whipped cream, or use a squirty cream from a can. And it looks delicious. Love things like that. I, I won't get that, because I'll, if, when people say to me, generally speaking over Christmas, what would you like to drink? I'm afraid I generally say, I'd like a cup of tea. <laughs> Doesn't sound as exciting, does it, a cup of tea? I'm not very festive, I'm afraid. But I'm so frightened, because I've got to drive. And eggnog I don't like anyway. That is just too disgusting. It's uh, it's advocar with lemonade in it. It's... Ugh. Yucky, yucky, yucky. But some people like it. Generally, elderly aunts. Elderly aunts like Advocar, and we call it a snowball. And I think it's quite similar. But, I mean, I just like, you know, a little... I'm not really fussed over Christmas. A nice cup of tea and a warm mince pie or a small sausage roll with flaky pastry round it, which I can pop in my mouth in one, I'm quite happy with. So, things today. The Queen's Speech. Do we really sit down and watch it? I know we do in our family. We do... I mean, every, when my parents were alive... Um, that's what we did. We had Christmas lunch. We made sure it was time to perfection that the Christmas lunch, once we'd sobered mother up, it was OK. But uh, the problem was trying to sober up after Christmas lunch because uh, we didn't really have um, uh, sort of proper uh, Christmas pudding for Christmas lunch. We used to have sherry trifle because it was a bit lighter, and unfortunately Mother used to go overboard on the sherry, so sometimes she'd go into the kitchen, she'd be on her knees in front of the cooker, laughing uncontrollably, and to the point of crying. We never knew why. I'm assuming it was because she never really drank that much. So it was a miracle that we, we actually ever got anywhere near the, uh, the Christmas lunch. You know, Mother would be found face down in the sherry trifle, looking a bit like You Visiona in Mrs Doubtfire as she comes out of the kitchen. So we used to have that, and then we'd sit down and watch the Queen's speech, But nowadays, people just go, ah, because it's not... I think she should do it live. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't want to be pushy on this. But I really think... I mean, she's not doing anything else. She could sit down for ten minutes, have a little chat. Hello, everybody, she could say. You know, Philip, sit upright, we're on television. You know, we could do that. Anne, take those ghastly dogs away. And uh, more of those horrible corgis everywhere. You could have people sit... Harry could fall off his chair a few times, just to add to the, you know, the realness of the moment. Uh, William could sit there trying to look trendy, you know, with a baseball hat on backwards. Kate could look absolutely gorgeous. And uh, we could put up with... In fact, the Ugly Sisters could be Eugenie and the other one, couldn't they? They could come in and go, anybody for cocktails? Royal Panto. They do do a panto at Windsor Castle when they were there. Uh, Prince Edward used to put it on. There's a surprise. And because uh, he was quite theatrical and used to like stuff like that and used to like dressing up and things. In fact, he did it for... It's, its a Royal Knockout. It's well- well-documented... He didn't look the butchers to the royal members of the family as he was running up and down, and that's where he lost his temper. Do you remember, you know, when he said to the, all the journalists, he said, so, so, what do you think of it all? And somebody went, oh, it's all right. And he went, well, thank you very much indeed, and stormed, turned on his heel and stormed off. I thought, Go, oh, hissy fit, not even a queen. Hissy fit, you know, princess, you know, just, shoot out the door, like that, it was awful. So they, they like dressing up the royal family. I'd oh, rather have the queen. I'd like to see the, the queen in a pair of tracksuit bottoms... I think you know, just for a moment, just let you know, so she can not have to worry about. Because every morning she gets her hair done. I think she's great. I love the royal family. I can't, I can't think of a nicer royal family. Once again, though, Sarah Ferguson all by herself. Why? Because she's a social outcast. They don't want her anywhere near the royal family. So she's spending the night in a seventeen and a half thousand pound place in Thailand. I think. And I how she forms that...
5: On FM, online and digital radio, London's biggest conversation. This is LBC
0: 97.3. Morning, Christmas Eve. Um, you'll be sick to death of me telling you this. Tomorrow will be Christmas Day. I'll be telling you every, every minute of the programme. It's Christmas Day. It's the opening of the presents. So the Queen's Speech, do we do we sit down and watch it now or have we, have we lost interest? I'm still interested. I'm still interested, but I, I think doing it live would be good. Perhaps one year they could conveniently lose the tapes and go, you've got to come live, Your Majesty. Uh, the shopping as well, because you are out there, 400,000 men, not obviously all together, because that would be a gay bar, you know, it's just a lot of men out there shopping, they say, not knowing what they're buying. People blindly go round, credit cards will be to the max, people will be going to the cash points, cash, cash points never seem to run out of money, have you noticed that? Uh, and the regifting. That's where somebody gives you a present, sometimes from work, a bit like Secret Santa. And I've always said, if you're doing Secret Santas at work, and it's probably a little bit uh, uh, old now, but you should always go to the pound shop, because you can get all sorts of books, brand new books, you know, some really good autobiographies, for a quid. For a quid. You know, it's it's worth it for Secret Santa, where they go, oh, it's maximum £5. You could buy that and then have, have a bit left over. Well worth it. And also travel. Because today is a busy day for travelling. Today is a busy day all over the country. So joining us now is Andrew Howard, who's head of road safety at the uh, AA. Andrew, good morning. Good morning, Steve. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what, what with this flooding up and down the country, it shows no sign of getting better. What's the, what, is, is the hard and fast advice from the AA as regards travel? Well,
4: I think the hard and fast advice has to be to particularly if you're going to the south to South Wales or to Scotland is to check with the people you're going to visit what the conditions are Mm. um, check through the internet with things like the Met Office website what the conditions are and just keep checking and try and keep checking while you're on the way.
0: Because it's dangerous isn't it?
4: It can be be very dangerous. One of the things that we're finding or hearing reports of is people who are now ignoring road closed signs and then merrily driving into floods. Questions about whether that's just pure stupidity or whether it's they wishing to try their 4x4s against the flood, and yes. um, we hope it's the former, and yes. um, but have a horrible fear at times that it may be the latter. Oh, I'm looking mm. at a
0: picture in one of the papers today of a woman who got her car stuck under a bridge. Well, I mean, the amazing thing
4: is that people forget that... Water doesn't have to be only an inch deep on the road. It can be feet deep on the mm. road. Um, it can totally delude you as to what is going on around it because it always stays level. You don't know the ups and downs that are going on underneath. So all, all sorts of strange things can happen. Of course, once you're struck by a current, you don't know where it may sweep you because it has a very strong force very quickly.
0: Yes, I remember there was a, a place down in Cornwall where they had the floods down there and cars were literally being carried along in the flood water. I have mean, never seen anything like it in my life.
4: Well, that's it. So, I mean, check where you're going, obey yeah. road closed signs. And, you know, before you go off, make sure that you've got the stuff to keep yourself warm if you're delayed, keep yourself fed, watered, medicine if you need to be. Uh, make sure you've got that full mobile phone so that you can ring for help or you can tell people that you're being delayed. Mm. Uh, all, all the all the sensible things that you probably do in snow that you might not think about doing just because it's raining.
0: Yes, I, I think you're right, though. Phone the people you're going to see and say, listen, what are conditions like round there?
4: Well, well that's very very much the case. I mean, your sat-nav hasn't a clue what conditions (laughs) are and will take you down the route which is quickest. Um, The locals may know the way to get
0: there by high ground, which may be what you need. But if it says road closed, there's a reason. There's
4: a reason for that. The road is closed. Um, Don't try and go down it. you know, they, they, they've closed it for a reason.
0: Yeah, and also, uh, you're, you're quite right, When if you're going on a journey, make sure if you, if you do need to take medicine, you've got enough with you. If you're diabetic, make sure you've got, you know, some sweets and stuff like that. Also, a flask of something hot is always a good idea.
4: Well, yes, you've just, you've just got to be battened down against against what could happen to hold you up. These days, people tend not to actually be involved in a disaster. They tend to be caught in the queue of traffic behind somebody else's disaster. Yes, yes. Be it a jackknife lorry, a stranded car, someone's run into the central reservation, any of those sorts of
0: things. And do, please, watch your speed on the motorways. Watch your speed on the motorways, remember
4: all the spray that there is on the motorways, and always remember, you should, when, when the weather's foul, you need to lose a little bit of speed, make yourself a bit more space, and watch out for the silly people coming in other way who you never quite can be sure are going to be being as sensible as you are.
0: Andrew, bless you for that. Happy Thank Christmas. You. Same to you. Thank you. Andrew Howard, Head of Road Safety at the AA. It's all hard and fast. It's all standard stuff, but it's like people forget, and I know that I'll be driving down the motorway, and I know that there will be cars that will be whizzing past me at 90, 100 miles an hour, and I always think, dear God, if you're going to have an accident, have it by yourself, please. I don't care. As long as you don't involve other people, it really drives me mad. Now, the other day, I had a bit of a disaster, because I'm a bit of a tourist. And I was talking to somebody. Who was I talking Oh, I know who I was talking to. I was talking to um, uh, another presenter here uh, called Ant. And uh, and he's, he's down from Manchester, bless his heart. So he's trying to do the tourist things in London. And I said, well, I, he said, you do the tourist things in London, even though you've worked in London for all these years. I said, well, don't make it sound like a sentence. I said, but yes, I do do the tourist things. I still go to theatre. I still do riverboat trips. I'm still a member of the Tower of London, Historic Royal Palaces. I still go around there. I still go round the museums. I go around the British Library. I do all sorts of things. I like discovering about the history of the capital. And yesterday, we were coming back, we'd been down to an ephemera fair. Have you ever been to an ephemera fair? Well, I had a bit of a contretemps with with an operative of the big bus company. Have you seen the big bus companies? They stand there. Anyway, so we're we're walking past, and I bought some, some clementines about two weeks ago, which had sat in the back of the car, and one of them had gone off. And I remember thinking, I need to find a rubbish bin. So as we walk past this bus shelter, there's a bin in the corner with a with a light. So I put my clementines in the bin and carry on walking to the to the Royal Hotel thing in uh, Bedford Square. Oi! Goes this charming lad, this oik. What do you think you're doing, mate? I said, Excuse me, young man. Are you, are you referring to myself? You know, I thought, you know, I'll run him over with the car if I get the opportunity. And so he said, that bin is property of the big bus company. And he went to touch me. And I said, if you touch me, I'm going to have you on an assault charge, OK? I said, but it's a rubbish bin. That is not your property. That, go and take them out of the bin. And he put his arm to stop me going forwards or backwards. So I thought, no, I'm, w- I'm winning here. I'm winning here. You can't make somebody do anything at all, least of all you. He then swears at me, and at that moment I said, I think you've just lost it. I said, you're an operative, a representative of the big bus company, and you've used foul language. Luckily I had a witness with me, and I'd record it on the phone, which was great. I still didn't pick up the Satsumas. So, so anyway, so we left him, so I go there, and on the way back up the, uh, the road, because I bought at the ephemera thing, they've got lots of old, well, some people call it rubbish But I call it interesting thing. So I bought a Royal Variety Performance programme from the 1930s, in perfect condition, from the London Palladium, and Will Hay was topping the bill. Not known to many of you, but people of my generation might know who he is. And I paid 30 quid for it. Which I thought, you know, it's a reasonable amount of money. But it survived since 1930. And on the way up the road, we go past Madame Tussauds. Now, normally, Madame Tussauds has got a, a huge queue outside of it. There was no queue. So this friend of mine said, "There's no queue." Tell you what, let's quickly go and park the car, and we'll go to Madame Tussauds. But I'll nip in home first, and I'll print off because I've got a discount voucher. They sent me a discount voucher. So, how much do you think it is to go to Madame Tussauds for an adult? To Madame, to look at some plastic. Thirty pounds. £30. Pounds. So anyway, but the discount voucher meant 15 so I thought, I don't mind 15 So, go back home, I park the car up, he goes in, he goes, oh, the printer's not working. He said, but I've got it on the phone. And he showed me it on the phone. It had the, the voucher, but it's on the phone. So we go to Madame Tussauds, but well, it's very misleading. The queue on the street is no indication of a queue inside the building. And so we go inside the building, and there's a queue. There's two men dressed up as women in there, that's all I can describe them as, bad drag, and so they're sort of doing bits, you know, with the, with the tourists, who must be thinking all Brits are mad as March airs, I should imagine. So we queue, I and mean, it must have been 20 minutes. You go up the stairs, and then you're in a little sort of backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, because there were some families, they had three three people on taking the things. So we get to the thing, Having queued for thirty minutes to go to Madame Tussauds, we don't have the voucher, but we've got because we can't download it because his printer's not working. But we've got it on the phone, so we go. We've got this this voucher on here. She said, "No, no, sorry." And uh, we go, "Why?" And she goes, "You've got to have the piece of paper." And he goes, "Well, do you not have a printer? I can send this to now." And for a "No, sorry." And so, and so she. Said, and that was it. She wasn't. She wasn't changing at all. And I thought, do you know, how mean. How full of non-festive cheer were they at Madame Swords yesterday? You know, so as opposed to having, you know, no money, they could have actually had 30 quid for the two of us to go round it. We are Londoners, you know, excuse me. You know, and Merlin, apparently the entertainment group which owns it, owns loads of other places. And I thought, well, we do have the voucher. It's not like we've made it up. We've got it on the phone. It's just we can't print the thing off. Nah, sorry. So we had to walk all the way out the building again. What shame. I shall never go there ever again. Ever again. I felt so depressed. Ruined my day, I'm afraid. I was so unhappy after that, I thought, we wanted to go round Madame Tussauds. I did a documentary on them some years ago. Because uh, they also owned, I think, uh, an attraction down at Windsor, and I think they also owned at the time Wookie Hole. Now they've got the London Eye, and they've got the um, <coughs> uh, Aquarium. Got loads of places, Alton Towers, I think they've got, Chessington World of Adventure. And they weren't prepared... To let us go with this voucher thing because it was on the phone and we hadn't actually printed it off. Well, that mean at Christmas as well. I was very depressed about that. I thought sometimes you know a little bit of a little bit of customer service goes a long way, but uh, not. I'm afraid for us. Lynn says Happy Christmas Eve. Can you do that? Can you do Happy Christmas Eve? Because it's the eve of Christmas. Does that mean? Because a lot of people will be celebrating tonight, won't they? Uh, Lynn's got broken wrists. Oh no. So, yes. Because, so, she, she's got broken wrists. So her husband David's out at the shops. <gasps> Fatal. Never send a man out with a shopping list. You know, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, 84850, oh, steve at lbc.co.uk. Try and weave in some more here. Uh, my wife gets up early just to listen to you, which is good. I like the idea when people get up early. And, uh, last minute shop at Tesco Dunn, says June. Still need to fill the car, pick up the son's prescription, make the Yule Log cupcakes and the cookies. And so I've discovered lots of friends... <coughs> Who are listeners? Happy Christmas to Doreen and Stan, Thelma and Alf, Celia, John and Kelly, Maria, and the nice man in the shop on Court Road near Goddington Lane. Sounds <laughs> like, like the entire output, is not it? Uh, eight four eight five zero, Steve at LBC, and um, and Sally says, last night I said very excitedly to my husband, Steve's on early over Christmas from seven till ten. At uh, seven till ten, he said, "Oh, is he? How wonderful! Isn't he cruel?" I know. She said, I've taken your advice and got out of bed to head for Tesco's. I look forward to hearing your classic Christmas show tomorrow. I'm hoping Noreen will phone you. She is the best. And she says, I'm not brave enough to call in. I would more than likely turn into a gibbering wreck. Don't worry about things like that. From one gibbering wreck to, oh, look, in the LBC 97.3 travel department.
4: Christmas
0: on LBC 97.3. Steve Allen. Morning. Nineteen minutes past eight. Come on, you should be up by now. I know it's. I know it's horrible to say, and I know you don't want to get out of bed. But you know, you don't, you don't want to be the last one, do you? Queuing outside, there, trying to find that parking space. You get very ratty. You know, people get very short term. I'm opening a card. It's not my card. It's not my addressed to Duncan Barks, but he was ill. Well, actually, it came into all of us, but it, it, it was addressed to me as well. It's got to Duncan, and then and then I've just noticed if I check this carefully, written in pencil. Steve, I'm like an afterthought story of my life, actually. It's from Anne, who says, Hello, Duncan. See, it doesn't say Steve on here. On the inside, I've opened somebody else's card now. I'm going straight to hell, I can tell. And, um, she says... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not mine. It's gone to somebody else. Never mind. Uh we'll also, uh, er... Oh, yes, I was telling you about the Beckhams' Christmas holiday. They're not spending it in this country. No, instead, they've booked uh, a very nice place for the whole family... Uh, to a place in the Maldives called the one and only Rithi Ra Resort. Sounds delightful, doesn't it? And it's individual villas. So your villa opens up onto... It sounds boring, but I mean, you know, it's nice. Quarter of a million quid. Quarter of a million pounds. And so they're going to spend 11 nights there. They've got 130 private villas, 12 beaches, 40 pools, and their own seaplane. The Beckham suite is the priciest available, so it was obviously well available. £8,600. But they've booked uh, three more Each costing 3700 a night, taking the bill alone to 217000 Then you pay for dinner in the restaurant. It sounds really boring, so the kids are not going to be surrounded by anybody their own age. They've got to put up with their parents again. You can't imagine, you know, Victoria joining any party games over Christmas, can you? Can't see her playing Nude Twister or something like that. Very unlikely. But uh, they'll be eating. She won't eat anything. David will be eating and they'll just swim in the sea. So, I don't know. Not, not really the most exciting Christmas. I thought go and spend it with some snow and do something like that. Or perhaps some more modelling assignments for some of the, uh, some of the older children in the family. 21 minutes uh, past eight. Well, the stock exchange has closed early for Christmas. Joining us now from Seven Investment Management, Justin Urquhart-Stewart. Good morning, Justin. Good morning. Uh, so, what, what, what has this year been like well, actually, been not,
6: not as bad as I think most people have thought. If you would just been in the stock market for the uh, for the year, you'd have made about 10% or so, plus your dividends. So, actually, that's, that's just not bad at all, considering all the bad news of
0: uh, mm. going in and out of recession and things like that. An awful lot of people have said that this has been the year where all the big companies have been accused of not paying enough corporation tax. And so and it, it seems like a never-ending list of people. Well, it is. I mean, you also have to put the corporation tax actually into some perspective because
6: actually there's not as big a tax as actually everyone likes to think. Large corporations paying large amounts. Well, in fact, most of the tax comes from us. So, well, of course, that shouldn't come as any particular surprise, right. I suppose. But income tax and, of course, national insurance, that's another tax by another name, even though they like to call it our pension scheme. Uh, If you ask how much is in your pension scheme, you'll find out that it's actually nothing, because they've spent it all. (laughs) Um, And, of course, VAT is the other one. And after that, corporation tax is considerably smaller.
0: Oh, it's way down the list, isn't it?
6: Yeah, and then after that, you get down to things like stamp duty and inheritance tax and things like that. They're all virtually... They're tiny in comparison, so it's the, bi- it's the big three that are the main ones. But no, companies are now uh, having their comeuppance, and particularly when it comes to banks as well as Starbucks mm. and Facebook and Amazon. Uh, should they be paying their fair amount? Of course they should. But unfortunately, these days, companies can go where they want to. It's competitive uh,
0: taxing around, yes. around the world. Yes, absolutely, yes, I and mean, I would think so. And also, then, of course, there was a the Royal Bank of Scotland deal that fell through with Santander.
6: Yes, and this is going to be a big problem for us all now, because the banking system, as we all know, uh, isn't working properly, mm. because... Uh, not lending out to companies, but of course in the same way, because they don't have enough capital, equally, they're not pulling the rug on those old companies that were well, frankly sort of zombie companies ready to go as well. Mm. We saw Comet go recently, but there are others, no doubt we'll be seeing those in uh, shortly after Christmas in the new year, when it's uh, unfortunately come up with their retail figures, and some of them, I'm afraid, will probably be rather bad news. So it's going to be a difficult time indeed, but the good news is, and there is some good news around, uh, employment is up, unemployment is down, and mm. this year we've set up a over 400,000 new businesses. So that's an encouraging sign overall. So when you go round the business parks uh, around the United Kingdom, I spend a lot of my time doing that, Mm. they're quite busy, not booming. No, they're skinned down, they've adjusted, but they're doing okay. But they're missing the one word which we need from our political leaders, which is confidence. That's all they want to hear. And so... We, we're, we're
0: still in recession, technically.
6: Technically, but it's, you know, really the thing to look at the next few years is it's low and slow. Yeah. We had ten years of boom, and after ten years of boom, you get ten years of lean. It's almost biblical. Yes. Um, you know, we're three years into it, another seven years to go. <laughs> but there are a lot of things we can be doing in the meantime. Uh, so it just takes some imagination from politicians. Unfortunately, not a word that goes necessarily together with politicians. But uh, to try and get some of the tax things changed... For instance, things like stamp duty on property, which doesn't earn a great deal of money, mm. but all will encourage people to actually move and spend more money, and that, after all, is what you have to do to get an economy going, get people spending.
0: Absolutely. And um, am I right in thinking that, uh, that the Lloyds banks change into the cooperative? Well, they've been trying to sell some of their branches to the, to the co-op,
6: and they've been absorbing those. And this is, the problem is, of course, these days, whereas we all were brought up with bank branches around the corner, these days with the internet, uh, actually, a lot of people don't go to the bank very often. No. And and this is what's going to happen to an awful lot of retailers as well, as they suddenly find that their world has been bypassed because so many people have, I uh, know, they bought things online. Although, I have to say, I have my comeuppances with the online find myself then queuing in the <laughs> Hammersmith Post Office to pick up my online Yes, because you weren't in. Exactly. <laughs> so it cost me twice, to, it took me twice as long to go and pick up my parcels as it would have been actually to go up to Oxford Street and just go and buy the wretched thing. But <laughs> That'll
0: anyway. teach you. Exactly. That'll teach you. Well, listen, I wish you a peaceful and blessed Christmas. And to you, Steve, many thanks. Gossip. God bless you. Thank you for that. Just Erkut stewart from Seven Investment Management. We used, to lo- we used to love it. At Christmas, he used to come in, in his kilt. He used to come in in the kilt and everything. The whole shebang. Well, well I'm assuming the whole shebang. Never actually felt discovered that much. Um, Paul Daniels is in the... Uh, I was wandering off down a small cul-de-sac there. Paul Daniels is in the papers today because he's, it's a rather strange headline. And um, Ollie Mann mentioned it earlier on. Paul Daniels and the schoolgirl. And it's one of a number of headlines that I I take issue with in the Sun. The other one the other day was about Prince Harry, who they said had brought down a Taliban leader. He'd killed a Taliban leader. Now, as far as I'm aware, I don't want to be too much out on a limb on this one, but, you know, since when have we started naming soldiers who've actually killed somebody in conflict? Do we normally say, you know, Flight Sergeant Stephen Allen, Esquire, DC, Bar, whatever it is, you know, has brought down... No, you don't name people. So immediately the Mirror of Gone Today would target Harry, now fears of revenge strikes after claims he killed a Taliban chief. Well, the claim was run on the front page of The Sun. I mean, you might as well have said, look, he lives here and he'll be in tonight at this time. It seemed as absolutely pointless as that, as naming a member of the royal family, who we know he's out there and we know he's doing his bit, but to actually say he brought down a Taliban leader and then they seem surprised. Now, of course, he's going to be a target. Well, have you named any other soldier who's brought people down? No, they haven't. Gross, gross misreporting as far as I was concerned. And I was right. I was right. I hate to be proved right again because after that tragedy where the Australian DJs phoned the hospital to inquire after Kate pretending to be members of the royal family and they got through to the, uh, the nurse Jacintha and then she took her own life. And I said at the time, and I stood by all the way through, and people were saying, oh, I don't know. I said, listen, I've never heard of anybody who takes their own life as a result of one phone call, in which she wasn't even that instrumental. She picked up the phone, because there was nobody there to do it overnight in a private hospital. Things must be really tough. And then she puts the call through to somebody else who then explains to the person pretending to be uh, members of the royal family exactly what was going on. And so then, Jacinth, and I said there must be something else. It turns on she tried twice before to take her own life. Once with an overdose, and once she tried to throw herself off a building. She was on antidepressants. And I said at the time, and luckily lots of people have written in to say, you were absolutely right again, because it just makes perfect sense to me. Why on earth would somebody want to take their own life over something like that? The woman quite clearly had some sort of mental illness. She was on antidepressants from the two previous times she tried to take her own life. So unfortunate though it was, it was even more unfortunate that these DJs actually found her out of all the hundreds of other staff that could have been answering the telephone. And so it is with the case of Paul Daniels and the schoolgirl, a story that goes back some 50 years, I think, if not probably about 40 to 50 years. And he said, he said, how do you know this was a a mini-skirted hitchhiker I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, if you're listening, Brian, you know, out there wearing your miniskirts, it's the kind of thing that we used to see all the time on the motorway service roads. You'd always see people stand there with backpacks on and they'd be thumbing a lift. It was a cheap way for students to get around the country. I mean, you don't do it now. I hardly ever see hitchhikers. Occasionally you see them, but very, very rarely. And he said he picked this girl up and uh, he said we did kiss and cuddle. Very much, He was 30. OK, he was 30 at the time. He's not a 74-year-old man. He's a 30-year-old, and they kissed and cuddled, and he suddenly thought, wait a minute, you might be young. But he said, how do you know? And the answer is, you don't. Unless every single person you kissed and cuddled and put your arms round, you said, excuse me, can I see your birth certificate? You do not know. He said, when, when we got passionate, she said she was still at school, and that's when he went, woo, and dropped her like a ton of bricks. But he said... Um, it, it's it's just one of those things. You don't know how old people are. Mandy Smith, of course, was 13 when she was in London nightclubs. She was six foot tall. Nobody, You'd have looked at her and said, are you 13? No, you could probably produce loads of pictures of kids. You see them at school now, don't you? They're all in the same class. You get some who are tiny and some who are big. You know, people grow at a different rate. You know, in my, my day, I was always known as being big for 15 You know, that's what people used to say to me, is to say, Stephen, you're big for 15. And I used to say, well, it's just the way it goes. I eat my cauliflowers and greens. 84850, steve at uk. It's Steve Allen. I was going to say early breakfast, but we're practically in the afternoon, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, it's prime time now, prime time. It's prime time, Christmas Eve, and it's 8.30. I like a drink over Christmas. I like a drink over Christmas. I, think, I, was, I was debating whether or not I should follow Stella Black's advice and just drink champagne. She ever, only ever drinks champagne. And so I went out the other day and I bought a bottle of um, pink champagne. Laurent somebody's. And uh, from Coolston or something. Anyway, whatever, I can't remember. Look, it's on Laurent Perrier. And it was pink champagne. And I thought, well, I haven't opened it. I sort of kept it in the boot of the car, thinking that I, I might drink it over Christmas. And I thought, I'm not really into champagne. I'm not really that bothered about it. I quite like cocktails, provided somebody's making them. But you can't... You don't really get much alcohol, do you? I don't think so. Uh, so today, you're all out there, being Christmas Eve, doing all these nice things. And uh, it's going to be called the 11th Hour Mandash. That's what it's going to be, the 11th Hour Man Dash. It means Christmas Eve will be the one day of the year not, not dominated by the fairer sex. In other words, it's blokes. Blokes are out there. The women are going. Listen, I've had enough of walking up and down the high street. I do not want to go there. The car parks are full. It's not going to be pleasant. All the shops are going. Yeah, come on, give us some more money. And so, joining us now, the general manager of Brent Cross Shopping Centre, Tom Nathan. Good morning. Good
7: morning, Steve.
0: Busy day for you. Yeah,
7: car parks are not full though, so don't worry. You can still come, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> and I actually, pass it you're every day. Right. <laughs> We're going to see more and more men throughout the day. Uh, until that six o'clock fateful closing, where there'll be one or two panicking as to whether or not they've got what they need.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, to be honest with you, I think you've actually got one of the best jobs, because you can view from on high, can you not?
7: Uh, kind of, yeah. I stand at the top and, uh, and look around and, and see what's going on. Um, some very happy faces, <laughs> some quite uh, concerned faces, in that uh, they've got a list and they've got to finish it all off. So, yeah, it's fantastic watching people... And thankfully, at this time of the year, I was out there um, for a couple of hours yesterday on the information desk, and people were actually enjoying themselves, Not, nothing uh, too harassing. Uh, and it seemed to me that most people seemed to be getting what they needed.
0: Yes, I mean, I, I think what you have to do, it's the same with doing a holiday. You've got to plan it out. You've got to find out when you go to Brent Cross, and most, most of the people who go there, they know it like the back of their hand.
7: They do. I'm pleased to say that we've got an incredibly loyal uh, customer base yeah. and... Thank you for that, and, and I wish all of them and, and your listeners a Merry Christmas. And, yes, it's better if you do plan it. You waste less time. But on the other hand, we're not too big, and we're, we're relatively easy to understand in terms of layout. And if you do get lost, we'll help you, because we'll tell you what's on sale and which shops. We even know which brands are on sale in the big shops. <laughs> so um, we, we do try and make sure that it's as painless as possible, even for the non-shopper.
0: Yes, yeah, and you do get people, strange, strange that it might seem, ladies and gentlemen, that just want to go and browse.
7: Yeah, well, the thing is that, you know, shopping these days um, is more of a leisure uh, pursuit as well. So shopping is defined by the fact you might have a fabulous coffee or you might meet someone for lunch. Or you might just sit there because it's warm. It's not, you know, if it's raining outside, it's dry. We've got a few gentlemen who I see every single morning. They don't buy a thing. They sit on a bench and uh, just watch the world go by. And they're very happy to
0: do so, and we're happy to have them. You must stop spying on people like this, Tom. It's not good for you. I'll get myself in trouble, won't I? So so you were then closed tomorrow and open Boxing Day?
7: Yep, yep. One day off. uh, The retail industry these days is closed on Christmas and Easter. Mm. But other than that, um, all our staff and everyone is there. And and Boxing Day has become increasingly popular we actually close on New Year's Day now because Boxing Day has taken over as the first day of the sales. And yes. that's when you get the big bargains. We have two bites at it because our two big stores, Fennec and John Lewis, don't open on Boxing Day. Uh, so we have a second first day of the sale on, on the 27th. So for us, it's, it's a very important period. It's the busiest time of the year. And, of course, if you enjoy finding that, uh, making that kill, that sale kill, Hmm. There's no better than Boxing Day.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, I, I used to love working retail and loved sale days because it was it was really busy and it really kept you on your toes.
7: Look, if, if you're a retailer, what you want to see is people and you want to see people spending money. Yeah. And Boxing Day and the 27th are those, you know, in, in, in spades. So a lot of people hate it. I have to tell you, it runs through my veins. I absolutely adore it. Um, and if anyone's ever worked in a market store in a bazaar oh, in, in a church or... Anything like that. That's what it feels like. It's making that sale, selling a tea cake uh, on a different scale.
0: Yes, you're absolutely right. Well, I, mean, I know there's going to be a great atmosphere down there today, and so you will climb into bed tonight a tired bunny.
7: Yeah, I think so. With a bit of luck, um, I won't need to go out on the road. Sometimes you'll, you'll find me in a high-visibility jacket <laughs> doing the traffic. But we've got about 50 people working on traffic, and we've, 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 they've done a great job this year. So far, touch wood, I'm, I'm tempting fate here. But so far, what with the police and our own uh, traffic control, we've managed to keep people in and out fairly quickly, and it, it, it's all worked very well. We've got loads of parking spaces, of course. So, you know, that, that for me is the most important thing. I'll, I'll rest easy if we've had a good day, if people have had uh, a, you know, an enjoyable time, got what they wanted, and hopefully the retailers has got a smile on their face as well.
0: Excellent. Tom, nice to talk to you. Thank you for that. And Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you as well. Tom Nathan, General Manager of Brent Cross Shopping Centre. I like the idea when people say Merry Christmas... It kind of makes me feel a bit more festive about things. I like it. I I really do like it. You don't get... I'm never sure what to say to somebody now. Do you say happy Christmas, merry Christmas, felicitations, yuletide blessings? I don't know. I say different things to different people, but at the same time, it all comes down to it. Merry Christmas. You can't beat it, can you? And then you get, and God bless us, everyone which makes you you feel even more festive and brings a tear to the eye. So, come on, guys, it's you. They've got spaces down at Brent Cross. Uh, I remember yesterday coming back past Westfield. They had queues out onto the road there. And I thought, I'm so glad I've done everything. I'm so glad I've done it. I'm so glad I do 99% online, one or two little things I've had to go out and buy. And the other thing is, which I suppose you might say takes away the mystery of Christmas, is when, and I'll, I'll tell you what it is, Sharon the mother of my godchildren, I said, what do you and Chris want, want for Christmas? <laughs> because sometimes it's easier if she sees what she wants, buys it, then I give her the money. And so this year, she said, I don't know, I'll, I'll think about it. So she thought about it for two weeks, and then she came back the other day and she said, oh, there's a, there's a duvet set that we'd like to buy. I said, well, buy it, and I'll, I'll give you the money. And then she said, but how much can I spend? <laughs> and then you have to tell... That's the embarrassing thing, isn't it? You've got to spend on certain people. You know, I mean, you don't like to sort of appear too mean, so I don't know what a, an average spend is. So I tend to say... I tend to say about £100. I tend to say £100. If, it, if it's the kids, it tends to be a little bit less. It tends to be about 70 But if it's... You know, I'm a very generous person. I'm just give, give, give. But luckily, you're all tax deductible. So anyway, so you sort of you sort of give all these things. And actually, I was thinking the other day, there was one of the... <laughs> it's going to sound really awful now. One of the presenters here, I won't tell you who it is, took out a load of people for, for lunch and... Uh, well, yeah, anyway, they, they, I think they took about 14 people out for lunch, which was very nice. And I thought, isn't that a lovely thing? They were all saying, what a lovely thing to do. And I said, yes, he'll just put it through his company. You'll be tax deductible. It was over £500 for lunch, but there was 14 of them, so there wasn't much, much drink con- consumed. Sure, sir, sure, so and I wasn't there. And, um, and so I said, no, you just put it through the company. That'll be a tax. You know that you can, That's a, l- a legitimate thing. It's like buying presents for people, isn't it? I mean, I, see, I don't put them through on the books. I mean, seriously, you can't do that. But I, so I said to Sharon, I said, what would you like? So she said this thing, and I said, OK, that's fine. And, um, and so when I go down there, she'll have wrapped her own present, put a label on from me and I give her the money. It makes perfect sense. Oh, the bad news is, I know there's all bad news at Christmas, I'm afraid. And we, we lose lots of people. And I said that my brother's girlfriend's mother had gone, uh, into, uh, into a hospice. She died the other day. So it was, I mean, it's just bad at Christmas. You know, when, when people die at Christmas, it's, uh, it's, it's never good and it's never, a, never a sort of a happy time. But as I say to people, each and every time someone, and I said to Gloria Feldman's girls, I said, at least she'll always remember your mum because, I mean, she was such a larger-than-life character and we lost her this year, and a number of other people. I always get letters and things, people saying, oh, you know, so-and-so came to your show. We had a lady once, actually, which which was the most touching thing ever, when we did a one-man show down at the Shaw Theatre, and she was the first one queuing, a taxi driver phoned me up. He said, Steve, he said, there's a lady queuing outside the Shaw Theatre. I said, I said, it's ten to four in the morning. He said, it's ten to four. She's queuing outside there. And she came, and she'd, and she'd bought a ticket, and she was very, very ill. And she sat in the front row of the Shaw Theatre, and I, I, I generally... I don't pick on people. I'm not that sort of... You know, we don't do that kind of thing. But I, I sort of... I said, hello, hello, hello. And she had a hospital band on. And she this band, which they give her in the hospital. And people who came to Shaw to remember it, because I remember saying... I said, is that your hospital band? She said, yes. I said, are you supposed to be in hospital? And she said, yes, she said, but I couldn't miss the opportunity of not coming down to see you. And so she came down, she'd risked the wrath of the doctors, checked herself out to come to the show, and then she was going back to the hospital. Sadly, she died a few days later. But it was just, it was one of those things, she wanted to do it. She wanted to do it and so she did it. And so, you know, it's, it's always terrible at this time of year. We have to remember those people for whom Christmas, you know, won't be very good for a few years because you always remember the person that you were with, the person that, you know, was the one who, who was your rock kind of thing. The one, the one person who was there. But that's where LBC kind of fits in. And the reason it fits in is because it's a bit more human. It's because we can talk about things. It's because we can we can share happiness, we can share grief, we can share laughter, we can share sorrow. We can bring it all together. And it makes you feel as though you've got somebody, and especially if you've lost somebody recently. The worst period is at night-time, when you feel that there's nobody talking to you at all. Whereas, in fact, if you turn on LBC at nighttime, you know, you can talk to Christo or to Duncan Barks, and it makes people feel a lot better about life. My mother always used to say to me that hearing a, a proper voice you know, and people discussing things, makes you realise that you're in the real world. Because you do feel, sometimes terribly depressed, people get very down, you know, even losing pets. People get very down about losing pets. And I always say, listen, you've always got the radio, you can always turn on the radio and find somebody who will share the sort of things that you're going through at the moment, because you're never never by yourself with it. There's always somebody else. And the somebody else today is uh, a lady who has discovered uh, a picture in her attic. Her name's Jane Cordery. And she does, you know, as you, I mean, I'm constantly going up in the attic. I, well, A, I don't have an attic. And B, I don't have any pictures up there. But she went up there and found this picture. And, uh, it was a pre Raphaelite wildlife specialist, William J. Webb. It was valued by Christie's, the auctioneers, at £70,000. Imagine how happy you would be. You go up, you find this picture all dusty, and you go, <laughs> and it's worth £70,000. Oh, no, it's not. When it went to auction at Christie's, the bidding was such a frenzy. She picked up 589250 (sighs) quid. I should be expecting a very nice Christmas present or a card at least after that. Nearly £600,000. Now that's what I call a good Christmas present. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) <laughs> Hello, he says in a plaintive little voice. Vicky, if I do it like that, you might think, oh, poor soul. He's there on Christmas Eve. No, I'm all up, to, all up to speed with Miss Sprouts and everything else. Uh, more of your texts and emails coming in a moment. But if you are thinking, and I know you should have thought about this before, but some people think about the last minute. You know, can we get up and down the country? Where can we go? What's cancelled? What's not cancelled? Let's find out now. Dan Payne joins us from First Great Western Trains. Dan, good morning.
2: Good morning.
0: So what w- what have you got and what have you not got? Uh,
2: well, there are two key sticking points, I suppose, from a, a, a railway infrastructure perspective today. Um, the first is between um, Bristol Parkway and Swindon. That's affecting services between London and South Wales. Right. Um, a landslip there means that we're not able to run trains through that area. The, the, the line's blocked. We're having to divert trains. And that's adding around 20 or 30 minutes uh, to, to journeys, and we're having to uh, pull some of those trains out to make sure we've got enough space on the track. Um, the bigger problem, however, is um, a, a place called Cowley Bridge, which is just outside the Exeter area in Devon. Now, that's the main railway gateway into Devon and Cornwall. That's completely blocked. We're just not able to run any of our trains through there, and what bus replacement services we are able to put on are being severely hampered by the road conditions as well so our advice if you're traveling into or planning to travel into the devon and cornwall areas really to to think twice about uh doing that by rail today
0: right is 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 this the worst year that you've had down
2: uh this is uh, uh yeah certainly the last six weeks have been uh pretty horrendous from a from a flooding perspective yeah. and while Network Rail, who look after the maintenance of the tracks and um, are are there to keep it up and running for us, have been doing a a smashing job. Um, I I think they've struggled sometimes to, I suppose, keep up with the the pace of the rain uh, as it falls. And as we know, the, the ground in Devon and Cornwall is so saturated. Any rain that falls is flowing directly off the uh, off the hills and onto the tracks and the and, and the roads at the moment.
0: So, what? So for Christmas Day, Boxing Day, would you not be running a service anyway?
2: We we wouldn't normally be running a service anyway, but we're. I mean, I suppose we're waiting for, for Network Rail to to give us the green light, particularly on those two areas. Um, the the most significant one being uh the Exeter one. But we we need really to wait for them to give us the green light to run services again. And um, I'd be very surprised if that wasn't until you know at, at least. Uh, at the end of the year.
0: Oh, right. So it's going to be huge disruption over the Christmas period, isn't it?
2: Uh, re- re- really significant. And, um, you know, I-, I think I'd ask you know, passengers to-, to keep an eye on the website, take a look at the First Great Western Twitter feed, um, and that'll give you the most up-to-date information that-, that we've got. But as I say, we'll we'll be waiting for those updates from Network Rail and we'll be ready to run trains as soon as that track is open again.
0: Right. But do you think realistically end of the year?
2: I, I think, if I'm being realistic, we should certainly. Uh, yeah, customers should certainly bear that time frame in mind at the moment. Yes.
0: Excellent, Dan. Thank you for talking to us.
2: Thank you. Cheers.
0: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Dan Payne from uh, First Great Western Train. So, not great news there, I'm afraid. So, uh, check their their Twitter, check their online feed. But he thinks, you know, things will not be back to normal till the end of the year. So, if you're thinking of going to see loved ones and relatives, it's it's depressing, really, isn't it? I spoke to somebody earlier on, in fact, uh, somebody who's got to fly back up north because they can't get any trains, because there are no trains. You know that tomorrow and Christmas Day, there are no trains whatsoever on South Western. So, there's nothing going in and out of Waterloo. So I know that... I'm sure if I went down to Waterloo tomorrow, I think they're hoping tonight to run the service down at around 7. And I think... So you need to check when you get to Waterloo, if you're there early enough, to make sure that your train is actually going to complete the thing before they close the system down completely. Because it might be that they say... You might say, oh, there's a a 10 o'clock train. They say, yes, but that would get you in after this time and we've closed the service down. So uh, just check when you get to Waterloo, Okay, Don't think you can go out on the town to now. You know, you better watch out, you better not... You better not pout, I'm telling you why. And then you go to Waterloo Station, there's nothing going on. No train. So nothing tomorrow and nothing. And, of course, all the the clever people will be going... Steve Allen told us that on LBC 97.3. Most up-to-date travel service, don't... Don't go to the station, OK? Don't go to the station. Uh, 84850, oh, Erica says, at last, made my day, day hearing you on LBC this morning. Are you one over Christmas? This is Christmas. This is Christmas. This is Christmas Eve is Christmas, as far as I'm uh, well, i 'm concerned. well I always look on Christmas Eve as uh, as being part of it. I never think it 's in it just milk uh, don 't do sugar diabetic and so other medical ailments which are too numerous to mention i 'm afraid at the moment heart complaints, palpitations, stents, usual sort of thing cholesterol. Uh, what else can we add to i can 't wait for Christmas lunch tomorrow i know i know I know for many of you if i 'm not going to gorge i don 't gorge i just I just want it. 'Cause we're eating out two days running. But Christmas, as far as I'm concerned, is the kids. Oh turkey. Yeah. I know people say it's the blandest of meats, but I like it. I like it. But I do that no, not goose. We had goose once here. Oof, no, can't bear it. Not not my sort of thing. It's okay. It's okay. Pigs in blankets, yeah, definitely. Sprouts, definitely. Don't do bread sauce. I do sage and onion stuffing, you know, any fancy stuffing with apricots in or anything stupid like that. I don't do glazed honey parsnips, no, thank you very much indeed. We don't do swede. I don't do mashed potato. They've got to be small. Don't do red cabbage. They've got to be small, and then really for traditionally for Boxing Day, cold turkey with pickled onions and crusty bread, which is hot from the oven. Gammon if you fancy it, but I'm just as happy with cold turkey, Branston pickles, some piccalilli, pickled onions. Oh God, I'm driving myself mad here. I've got another hour and six minutes to go yet. And I've still got things to do today. Only a couple of little things, but so I've got it all ready for tomorrow. Two presents which I haven't wrapped as yet. But I just love I love seeing the look on kids' faces. The best time for me was when, uh, you know, I'm round somebody's house and they've got young children because they just love... it. Ri- they, they're always so excited. When they're two and three, they rip the paper off. But the paper's the exciting bit for them. They're not really bothered about the present inside. When they get a bit older, then they start looking at the present inside. But you do look at it, don't you? And you think to yourself, they derive so much pleasure from just... Opening. If you've got cats as well, they love Christmas. Oh, they love jumping in and out of the paper and the sacks, and then your mum's sitting there, she's got to make a list. So wait a minute, what did Auntie Winifred buy you? Polly Pocket, okay. And what did... Uncle Ben, what did he buy you? Aeroplane, okay. You have to write all these things down, because you have to do your Christmas list. You have to do your Christmas list afterwards and say thank you very much indeed for the nice presents that you bought me. And I have to say thank you for all the cards, because uh, I do do particularly well at Christmas... For Christmas cards, and it's nice that people take the time and the trouble to go out there and pick a card out and then put a stamp on it. Some people put stamps on, and some people don't. I've heard you say your boot is uh, is chock a block. Says Neil, loving the show, and I'm even fully awake. I bet it's exciting. I think this is this is the most exciting Christmas Eve we've had. I don't think we've had a Christmas Eve as exciting as this. I'm going to have in the next part of the program because what we've we've tried to do this morning is is mix and match. I want to weave in all your texts and emails and get round to that sort of stuff, but I I want to look at the side which is which is not the best side of Christmas in the next part of the program, which is you know couples who split up, couples who argue. You know, apparently ten thirty tomorrow is the sign of the first argument. Ten thirteen. 10-13, 10-13, is the sign of the, the first argument over Christmas. Ha! Should have been in our house. It, was, uh, it, was, it could run any time of the year. People have... Uh, you, you try not to have arguments over Christmas. And the argument we used to have over Christmas was with my mother cooking in the kitchen. And I always swore blind that we would go... We never ever did it. We never ever did it. Because my mum liked cooking. And she loved doing the whole turkey thing. She would rap, she hand-wrote the... Cu- she did everything. You know, she was just one of those sort of people. And there's probably many of you listening out there now that do exactly the same. You're really, really looking forward to it. You've watched the programmes on the television. You've been tempted with the the cranberry, haven't you? The sauce, pouring it over the little sausages and the onions and putting some real cranberries in there as well. (sighs) Love it, love it, love it. And the sprouts. Oh, I can't wait for sprouts. And uh, you have to be very careful, says Bridget, on sprouts... There was a man who ended up in hospital with sprout overdose. Apparently, the anticoagulants he was taking for his heart reacted with the large amounts of vitamin K in the sprouts. Luckily, he survived, but he has been known, he is now known as the first man to be taken to hospital (laughs) over sprouts. So there you go. Just be careful. 84850, steve LBC.co.uk. My brother's got some great presents this year. Great presents. Really good presents this year. I've just tried to offload as much rubbish as I've got in the house. I did buy myself some things the other day and I've decided I'm going to re-gift them from me to my brother. I bought them for me and then I thought, no, 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 give them to him. He'll, he'll make far more use of things, far more use. We asked about the, uh, the Queen's speech. Matthew says, I agree with you, it would be funny, especially if another member of the royal family walked into the room, noticed the camera, looked at the Queen, goes, sorry, and then tiptoed back out of the room. The Queen of the camera in oh, mm, 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 out. She's terribly pronounced. Gabrielle Brunette's the Queen. And um, it says here, um, a while ago you mentioned a presenter of an adult channel who was refused entry into a hotel. Who was that? I can't remember who that was. But anyway, the presenter is now back on the channel. I only noticed she was back because I pressed the wrong numbers on my Sky Remote trying to get into Come Dine With Me. Oh, I'll tell you what's the saddest thing, the adult channels. I don't want to be... You know, I, I, don't, I don't watch, you know, those sort of things on the television. But sometimes, you know, you flip through and I go right to the end of all the numbers on the television box and you get somebody writhing on a bed, whispering into a telephone. And I was sitting there and I was transfixed. Transfixed by this the other day. She's writhing on the bed and she... And I'm thinking, who's she talking to? There was no sound coming out of the television at all. She was just, And then at one point she lay on her back where her head was practically in my lap in the sitting room. If it had been 3D television, it would have been in my lap, but I luckily I haven't bought 3D. and they'd mm, mm, kind of thing. and I' think, who's she talking to? Is she talking to the, to the director or something?" And then she said and then she beckoned me. she beckoned me with a little finger, and then up came it cost one pound 50 a minute, and that's when I switched channels. I thought, you know, if I wanted something like that, I could go and see my Auntie Enid, who's flat on her back most of the time now. She has to be. She's in traction. And she's, and she's in traction. And so occasionally, you know, she does lie on her back and she does beckon with her finger. But we, we, we've learned to ignore it. It's not healthy in our family at Christmas. It really isn't. Thank God the cat's not alive to enjoy it. Anyway, we'll take a short break for the news at nine o'clock. I quite like being on at this time of day, actually. I suddenly realise I've I found a new vacation in life. It's sort of spend Christmas with Steve Allen, you know, or failing that, get therapy. In fact, probably easier to spend Christmas with Steve Allen. Uh, Lots more to talk about. The other side of the news, more of your texts and emails. 84850, steve at uk. Because it's Christmas Eve and it's the best way to spend Christmas Eve, I can't think. And it's cheap. It's so God knows this programme today is cheap. It really is. I mean, it costs nothing to put me here. Believe you me, it costs nothing. So we'll take a short break for the news at nine. And we've only got an hour to go, so we'll cram as much in as possible, Okay. Steve Allen. Morning, five past nine. I know, it's Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, you should be... Ra- in fact, now it's... It's the night... It was the night before Christmas. We're not... Oh, it doesn't matter. And uh, it's it's all wrapping. You've got the paper. I've discovered some paper I found... I had last year, actually. I, d- I bought a three-metre roll last year. And that's served me quite... I've re-gifted paper. My mother used to save paper. If we had nice presents coming in uh, on Christmas morning, we'd unwrap, she said, Save the paper, and she'd, say, she'd flatten it out. I, mean, I don't know how many people do that now. You see, people still do it. It's, it's obviously an age thing. It's something that, that people, people do. They save the paper. Do you think the royal family save the paper? Do you think they're using M&S paper or Clinton's or something? I think they've got a big store of it downstairs. I'd love to Fortnum and Mason's paper. I'd love to see how, how they wrap their presents. What if the Queen actually sits down and goes, and sort of tries to sort of uh, do that kind of thing? Uh, Margaret is in Glasgow. Well, it's hope it's nice weather for you up there. And an ad from Stonely says, I'm never up early enough to hear your show. Uh, Chris from Stourbridge is up as well. Michelle, good morning. Uh, Archie and Di, on the allotment, picking sprouts. And Stuart the cabbie is at the Paddington taxi rank. Strangely enough, I was just talking about the Paddington Basin. Stuart, a minute ago, to Sam Peters, whose friend has got a narrow boat and he's going down there later on to move that. He said, I saw the paper the other day, the woman who eats 10,000 sprouts. I thought of you and wondered if you eat as many. Sometimes it seems like eating a lot of sprouts, but uh, no, but I do love my sprouts. Uh, Earlier on, and all the papers are full today, of Her Majesty... She's uh, on the front pages of the papers, the uh, the Queen. Philip goes solo as the Queen misses the church service. But the uh, speech has been pre-recorded. They, uh, they pre-recorded, I think, uh, a few weeks ago. And so I wonder actually how many people still watch it. We watch it in our house, but do you watch it? Joining us now is editor of Majesty magazine, author of the Queen's Diamond Jubilee, Ingrid Stewart. Ingrid, good morning. Good morning. So, I mean, are, is the Queen's speech as popular today, do you think? I think it is as popular today, I mean,
8: certainly where I go for Christmas, uh, we all watch it, um, of all generations, mm. and, you know, make, make a few little comments and, you know, say, oh, doesn't she look well, <laughs> oh, isn't that a hideous frog, or whatever it might be, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it's not taken very seriously, and then we sort of give a little praise well, it was actually wonderful, and she, well, she's a past master at these speeches, yes. and I think she, she does do them beautifully.
0: I wonder if it has relevance in today's society because I'm assuming that somebody will, will sit down with her and they will go through the items which they have to talk about. They have to talk about the Jubilee, they'll have to do the Olympics. There will have to be something in there that that, that sort of garners the public public's attention.
8: Oh, absolutely, but, it, but it, it's her decision. I mean, she's been doing it so much longer than anyone else that, that can advise her, but it's very much her input. And um, I, I think it is totally relevant today, because it's continuity. And I think, as I'm always saying in a very boring way, in this very fast-changing world, it's very nice to have some continuity, and, and that is... Maybe, maybe you know, maybe a lot of people don't watch it, but it's nice to know that it's there. Yes, and yes. It, is, it is a continuity that, that we have in this country.
0: It is, absolutely. Of course, this year, moving with the times, 3D...
8: Yes, well I don't have a 3D telly. No, me neither. And I don't really want one, but no. I did when when I was in America, I did watch a friend of mine's uh, 3D telly and I watched the opening ceremony of the, of the Olympics again in 3D and it was absolutely extraordinary.
0: Yes.
8: yes. <laughs> I mean, it really was. So, um, yes. Wonderful that she's doing it in 3D. Yes,
0: it's lovely. To see, it's a lovely picture of her on the front of a number of the papers this morning wearing her 3D glasses, but being the Queen, they are slightly more up-market 3D glasses.
8: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, the, the Queen is very much uh, moved with the times. I mean, she, she certainly doesn't um, not believe in change. Mm. And, I mean, uh, they're, they're so very ahead of everything now with Twitter and blogs and mm. uh, Buckingham Palace websites constantly updated um, that... Well, the Queen has to move along,
0: too. What do they do for Christmas, Ingrid? Do they... I mean, I, I know that uh, the staff get a present from the from the royal household, but among themselves, I mean, what on earth do you buy for these people?
8: Very small presents, and they actually open them all on, on Christmas Eve. So they'll be opening them this afternoon, right. after tea. But because there's so many of them, there is one rule, which is actually incredibly hard. You mustn't spend too much money. Right. And that is very hard. It's almost uh, less is more. Right. You know? And when I remember Diana telling me her very first Christmas, which was at Windsor in those days, she bought everyone cashmere, cardigans and florists open, all beautiful things, and they sort of almost sneered at her. Oh, no. Because they, they... I mean, Prince 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 Charles once gave Princess... No, the other way around. Princess Anne once gave Prince Charles a doormat, because oh. that's what he wanted.
0: <laughs> It's strange, isn't it, uh,
8: <laughs> they their, their staff, so the Queen's page, will uh, discover, you know, w- w- what everybody wants and they, they sort of work it out for them.
0: It's, I mean, I'd, I, w- I would love to be a fly on the wall and watch the, the excitement on the Queen's face as she rips open the paper.
8: <laughs> I'd, love to, I'd love to sort of have, have a little camera in one of those baubles on the Christmas tree Ooh. and watch it all, too.
0: Now, that would be very interesting. And still no, no reconciliation for poor Sarah Ferguson?
8: I think probably as long as Prince Philip... Is around. Right. That, that's not going to change.
0: Stranger, And also for the first time this year, uh, William and, and Kate spending Christmas Day away.
8: Well, um, the Queen is obviously concerned about her granddaughter-in-law. You know, she, she, she looks back and remembers the terrible time Diana had mm. when she was pregnant, and she was hounded by the press, and they took photographs of her, and five months pregnant in a bikini, and the Queen just simply won't let this happen again. So... Whatever Kate wants to do, she's happy to go along with, although it is a, it's a break with protocol. If uh, the Duchess is happier in in the arms of her own family, so be it.
0: The security is going to be amazing around Bucklebury, isn't it?
8: Oh, I wouldn't want to be in Bucklebury. I would wouldn't I want to be... be. able to move.
0: <laughs> I used to live in Newbury, and we used to go out to Bucklebury quite a lot to go to some of the pubs. But uh, I should imagine the little country roads will be chock-a-block with Special Branch.
8: Oh, absolutely. And, and especially where the Middletons live which they, I think they won't be living for very much longer they're about to move, they just live down a, a little road which is off a main road mm. so very accessible but I will have had to block the whole area often I'd probably have helicopters yes. flying overhead oh, it'll be a nightmare
0: <laughs> and also, uh, Harry's not there either
8: <laughs> Harry's in Afghanistan um, for Christmas so uh, that's so, you know, that's a bit of a shame for everyone. But um, he'll be back in January.
0: Yeah. I, I I must mention it to you, because I mentioned it the other day. The Sun did a headline where Harry had apparently killed a member of the Taliban. And, and I thought to myself, it, it kind of puts him up as a target, really. Because you don't normally name soldiers who've killed somebody, do you?
8: You certainly don't. And I didn't actually uh, follow that story. So I just don't know how they have that information, I, I suppose. Well... Why am I asked, Why am I saying that? <laughs> Everybody gets information everywhere, but is it correct?
0: Yes. Well, there, there's the question. We shall find That's out later the this year
8: don't know. Is it, is it really
0: true? Yes, absolutely. Ingrid, thank you so much for talking to us.
8: It's a great pleasure, and, and happy Christmas to you
0: all. Happy Christmas. God bless. Thank you for that. Ingrid Seward, editor of Majesty magazine, author of the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. Thirteen minutes past uh, nine. A full year, says Jane in Furnacewood, since you mentioned Sean having her first ever driving lesson. She passed in May. I love it when people pass driving tests. And uh, happy birthday to her. And uh, she's unlikely to be awake before 930 Nobody sleeps on my programme, let me tell you. Uh, More on Paul Daniels, who has said in the papers today, I'm not sure all my lovers were over 16, and it's a big question. In fact, when I heard him saying that, and also the other thing he said, which is either bound to upset a lot of other people, or, you know, other people will be saying, well, good on him. He said all these people, he said coming out about Jimmy Savile, vile person, though he was, he said uh, 400 people. He said, how many of them do you think are telling the truth? And the answer is probably a small percentage you know, you do get people that jump on a bandwagon, he says where all my groupies in the nineteen seventies over sixteen, God I hope so, but he wouldn't know. He said he's he's quite right. He said people now can say anything about you and uh, and then you know it goes back. He said there is uh, somebody. He said... um, Daniel said he doubted whether all the accusers were telling the truth. He said, what I do find on among the stories is that now emerging is when a victim went back on TV and stated that she'd gone back to his dressing room quite a few times. Well, that's, that's been the same all the way through, hasn't it? Nobody seemed to take much notice of the headmistress of the girls' school who said that what people were not taking into account was the fact that her words that these were bad girls who'd do anything for a fag... He said, bad girls. But groupies were around, and that's why they've said, haven't they, that there's still a pop star. But I should imagine any pop stars... I mean, it was a standard joke in the 70s that every group had groupies or fans. I mean, I can remember... And this here's how it highlights it. I can remember, take that at a concert... And the girls in the audience, who were 12 and 13, were holding up signs which are totally unrepeatable on this programme, no matter at what time of the day or night we're broadcasting. Totally unrepeatable. And these were 12-year-olds. I can remember all the Bross fans standing outside Bross's office down in Covent Garden, where the boys would hang out the window and sort of, you know, wave at them and do all this kind of thing. These girls would have done anything. Every single girl who follows a band, what do they want to do? They want to go out with the person. They want to go out with the person who's the lead singer. And that's why all these... One Direction sell sex. That's what they sell. The whole image is based on sex. How many boy bands do you see, and I include JLS, who lift up their tops to show... I mean, I would do it myself. You know, if I felt it was necessary to try and win over a few more fans, to show you my washboard stomach and my party pack of 52. You know, I'd be more than happy to show you that. But I don't feel the need to. And that's what they do. They're selling sex and then they worry about... They go, oh, you went out with that girl and you snogged her. She was only 13. My friend... How many times, you know, you heard it? My friend fancies you, she's 12. That kind of thing. You know, people grab a bit too fast nowadays. I'm more than happy to be back in the Dickensian time. Shove them up chimneys as far as I'm concerned. Quarter past nine. Steve Allen. Must like the gardener and her lad in Twickenham. For uh, they've had a, a grant from Richmond Borough in Bloom, which is lovely. So they've uh, they've worked hard, which is very nice indeed. So well done to the gardener and her lad. I don't know who it is actually. It doesn't have a name. I can just say thank you to her. Uh, some other ones here. This is from uh, Laura, and she says, "I know you don't like kissing, so I'm sending you some kisses." I don't really do kissing actually. I do a lot of air kissing. I do a lot of air... I'm frightened to kiss people nowadays, in case they think that's an assault. You know, you can't touch it. I mean, years ago, you could go up and goose somebody in the office. Now you're frightened to do anything at all. You can't even go up and grope them and have a little jiggle or something like that before they go running to HR. Ridiculous, isn't it? The fun we used to have in the LBC office years ago, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, it says, I hope your throat is better. Felt very sorry for you last week. Please wish my niece Lisa and husband Lee Morris a long, healthy and happy marriage. Married at Gaynor's Park in Epping, where they were entertained by one of your Magic Circle colleagues, Tony Stewart. He was amazing. He turned a pack of cards into a slab of perspex. I know it well. and wish my lovely fellow Steve Allen fans a very Merry Christmas and a healthy and Happy New Year. Terry from home ground of Twickenham, a big virtual hug. They're planning another meet in London in January. and says, I hope you get a wee chance to look at the Senior Moments book. I'm constantly amusing myself with it. Thank you. And uh, perhaps give us a few quotes. So looking forward to hearing you on Christmas morning because I'm here tomorrow morning as well. I know, sorry to ruin your Christmas day. But I thought we could share present opening. Tomorrow, should we, we take a few phone calls from you? You could tell me some of those dreadful presents you've been given. I, can be- <laughs> I remember one year opening up the phone lines, and every person I said, so what did you get for Christmas? Well, we didn't get anything, I'm Jewish. I thought, oh, Lord, let's make presents up, it's so much easier. A lot of people will be doing prezzies tonight on the LBC website. They've got the best of LBC, 97.3 in 2012. Lovely picture of me, quite a gorgeous picture of me, in fact. Right? Airbrushed to heck. And uh, the jobless man who wouldn't get up at 8 o'clock in the morning... He said, he said he, he'd been offered a job. He spoke to Julia Hartley Brewer. And, uh, and he said he, he didn't take the job. And it meant getting up at 8 o'clock in the morning. I've never heard of such a thing. Uh, the Christmas Mystery Hour. The 12 funniest news stories of 2012. Uh, the 12 most emotional photographs of 2012. Which is all on the LBC website. What do you mean you've not been on it? There's also gorgeous pictures of me. In fact, there's lots of pictures of me on the LBC. In fact, there's almost too many pictures of me on the LBC website. And, uh, wait a minute, where, where have I moved to? Where am I moved Oh, look at me. Oh, God. Why, are they was put me next to James Whale. It doesn't help, does it, at all. And there's me my hanging baskets. Oh, yes, remember that. And Steve Allen's message for 2012. This was uh, Steve Allen's countdown to Christmas, which I quite like. I've got all my panto pictures on there as well. You have to look at them. I sweated buckets wearing all these panto costumes up at Angels. And it was It was lovely. We went to the world's biggest costumier, and it was fantastic. I I really... I thought I was quite good, actually. That's some of them. I thought it was a new career. Uh, Paul, who runs the Hinge and Bracket website, as you know, is uh, going off to Robert Craig Morgans for Christmas over in Ireland today. So I know you'll all have a wonderful, wonderful time. And uh, he's going to... be. There's an interview, I think, on the website about why he started the Hinge and Bracket website. And... uh, He's the most unlikely person to run Hinge and Bracket's website, I promise you. Uh, One here from uh, John, who said, I'm spending Christmas New Year in Denmark with my partner. She's a big fan as well. He says, how you flip around the various subjects is beyond my ken. I know, it's a miracle to me at the same time, I'm afraid. And Noreen says, can you wish Dawn a very happy birthday? And uh, really enjoyed, that remembers me. Biggins is so bubbly. You laugh at his laugh, I know. You cannot help but laugh. Do, don't forget to download those programmes. Uh, I didn't see Snow Babies, which was about baby animals in the Arctic and Antarctic. It lovely, except when some babies got caught. Oh, I don't like that. When you, when you say caught, do you mean caught and eaten? <laughs> I hate those sort of programmes. I watched them in, in sort of mock horror and fascination. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by animals. And, it, the, and I always think, why can't the film crew intervene and try and save some animals? There's this lovely... Oh, look, all the little turtles. Remember when they all get born on the same time? And it's nature. It's because of the equinox or something. And so millions of turtles head for the sea, little tiny things. And the gulls just pick them off. They're like a snack. It's like twiglets to them. They pick them up and, Oh, Half of them won't, won't make them. In fact, more than three quarters won't make them. And uh, and you look at all these other things, and then arctic foxes that run in and pick up all these these and you think, oh, dear, it's so awful. I'd be there shooting arctic foxes, I'm afraid. I'm <laughs> a bit terrible like that. Right, quickly, some more of your uh, texts and emails. There's so many to get through here, so, so bear with me if you've sent one in. in. And uh, Ben and Finchley bought mince pies, but they taste of something else because they've probably been cooked in an oven with something else. <laughs> 84850, Jeff is in Lewisham. Good morning, Jeff. One from uh, another one here. This is from oh, it's Noreen again, who says cash machine near us had conked out yesterday. Not a problem. May have been for some people. So please, please, just sounding so good. Not very helpful at Swords or the bus company. No, I mean, I just thought that they, we had the voucher. We just hadn't printed it off. We couldn't print it off because his printer was broken. So we couldn't go to Madame Swords because they weren't, you know, I don't know. Uh, one here from Julie who says, thinking about my ideal Christmas dinner guests, it would have to be you and Biggins. You two made me laugh so much yesterday morning. Yes, download, please. Do download. It is, it is very funny. It is very funny. And festive greetings from Bryn and Annie in La Belle, France. Warm and sunny. He says, I don't know what you two are doing later on today, but my plans are fixed. I'm going to hospital 30 miles away. The doctor wants me to have my left hip removed in January. And I have to have five tests before they'll accept me. Uh, I have to have a second ECG, which is the electrocardiogram, and a a consultation with an anaesthetist. And when do you think they're timed for? The ECG is three o'clock. Then they send me off with the result to the next bloke at 4.15, and that lasts about an hour. So my Christmas is nicely pre-planned. Annie's staying at home as my kids will drive me there. Driving for me is verboten. So it's screwed up tonight's dinner party, so that's life. Anyway, we wish you uh, all the best for yourself. And I thought your earlier interview was most encouraging when talking about the economy. It's really cheered me up, as it really is beginning to look like a gentle improvement. God bless you, says Bryn. Extra hug and kiss from Annie, and... uh, Season's greetings to the two of you. And uh, I hope we find you in rude health over the Christmas period. You've got, if you've got to have a hip done, you've got to have a hip done. It's as simple as that. Jan says, so pleased to hear your voice this morning. Yes, well, Of course, the day you don't hear my voice is the day I'll have passed on. But I th- I'm thinking of having one of those gravestones where it's got a pre-recorded message. You touch the top of the gravestone, I go, hello, how are you? Oh, it's cold in here. You know, something like that. And then I thought, maybe not. <laughs> freak people out, wouldn't it? Freak people out. Uh, Julietta says you're very naughty at times. I find myself laughing out loud in public whilst listening on my way to work on my portable DA What have we said that's rude this morning? Have we said anything that's rude? Have we said anything that's particularly... Sometimes Andy Andy McCall will say something to me, but, I mean, he mumbles, so I don't have no idea what he says. Steve. And I go, oh, no. Because sometimes he's been at the cooking sherry. He keeps a bottle in his bottom drawer, and he'll have a little slurp of that. And you can always tell by the time we get to my show and the end of it, I mean, you know, we're gar gar practically practically gar-gar, it's, 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 it's an embarrassment really, but as I say most of the newsroom would be like that today, because it's festive season, and why have we not got a gold post box around my way, everybody else has got gold post boxes, we haven't, uh, 84850, Blanche says thank you for being there at this time of year, I'm sorry I'm here tomorrow as well, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and for the and for the next year, down in Shropshire, I'd love to go to Shropshire, I don't even know where it is, How naive am I? And uh, Rebecca in Wandsworth, Merry Christmas. She says, puts me in a good mood listening to your programme for the rest of the day. Shropshire, oh, I don't want to go there then. I don't like the West Midlands. Oh, horrible, horrible place. What else is in in Shropshire? Are there well-known places? Do they have tourist attractions? Do they have anything exciting? Like, uh, like what? What do they have in Shropshire? What is Shropshire? Isn't Shropshire famous for, um, nothing? Absolutely nothing at all. Nothing. Windswept, rolling fiords Fields. Herds of wildebeest striding majestically through Shropshire. Lord Ayres says, Glad your voice is uh, getting better. No doubt all the little tipples and concoctions have helped. Yes, I mean, it is. I mean, I am carrying today two sprays. I had a quick spray before I started of Corvogna throat spray. And I uh, hate the taste of it, but it's the only thing that's kind of getting me through. 8 for 8, co dot uk. On the subject of sprouts, Stephen Bridlington says, uh, the wife has just informed me when she was talking to the vicar yesterday, who was on his way to his allotment, he grows red sprouts. Red sprouts? I've never even heard of red sprouts. That's very festive. Are you near Shropshire? Is anybody near Shropshire? Has anybody ever heard of Shropshire? Somebody must know about it. Uh... I've never heard of that. I've never heard of red sprouts. Are you sure they're safe to eat? They're not poisoned, are they? Or something like that. Red sprouts. Strange thing. I watched uh, an old uh, Basil Rathbone film, Sherlock Holmes, the other day. And it takes me back, says Neil. He said, you won't believe this, but having done our food shop at 10pm on Saturday, I've just realised we didn't get your favourite, the sprouts. The sprouts. How can you forget the sprouts? I mean, sprouts should be top of everybody's list. That's that's the whole idea, isn't it? That's the whole idea. Uh, Winnie says, season's greetings from a wet and miserable Slough High Street. Isn't it horrible when it rains? I don't like it at all. And Dawn, very happy birthday from Gary. He says, myself off to work at 12, working all day tomorrow, so we'll have to podcast the show. So just in case I don't get the chance tomorrow, I'd like to wish everybody a superb Christmas and thank you, Steve, for the entertainment over the year. You're very welcome. The management have decided in their infinite wisdom that we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again next year. We've got another contract. And uh, and who's this one? Oh, this! are you coming to see us in Aladdin at the O2? I know you came to Southampton a couple of years ago. Lovely to see you again. And uh, the Panther's going great guns. This is Andy Spiegel, who's down there. Oh, bless. Uh, do you know, I'd love to. Biggin. Uh, big what am I talking about? Biggins, Sorry. Lily is down there called blimey, That was a bit of a mistake, wasn't it, I'm afraid? So, uh, Andy spit Paul is down there. I know, I cut Lily. I mean, you know. He did say, come down. He said, I'm the shorter of the two Chinese policemen. Merry Christmas. Uh, Andy Spiegel, thank you very much indeed. Dominic from Toddington here. My sister Julia is travelling up to Billericay to pick my dad up and to take us down to spend Christmas with family and her partner. Andy and two-year-old daughter Lucy. And I hope you have a a very, very happy Christmas. Very happy Christmas. I'm going to try and get down to the O2. I'm trying to get down as well to see Russell Grant. He's in Amersham. And then I've got to Brentwood. There's not enough hours in the day, are there? Perhaps we could have a shorter programme. Paddy and uh, Tina and Rosie are in Manchester. Says, we have you on every day. Well, there you go, you see. Well, imagine you're starved of decent radio up in Manchester, aren't you? It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen. It's Christmas Eve and it's 9.30. Morning, 26 minutes to 10. Thank you so much for all your texts and emails. It's nice to know we've got all sorts of people listening. Michael Dennis, the black cat poet... He says, Merry Christmas to you, all your listeners and she who never gets mentioned. Michael, good morning. Working this morning. Uh, And Bridget says, did you see the excellent, loving Miss Hatto last night? Her husband only lives ten minutes from here at Royston. We're five minutes from where the colonel was murdered in uh, Ferno Pelham and ten minutes from Rooks Farm where Mrs McKay was murdered. From a very rural area where a veritable hotbed of crime. Good Lord. Uh, eight for eight five. Uh, a rare animal, the Arctic fox. It's because of all the things it eats, Andrew, in Streatham. I live in Shrewsbury, says Alison, and I've listened to you every morning for many years to help keep me in touch with my London roots. Lovely. Oh, it's Ironbridge. Shropshire, famous for the Industrial Revolution, says Linda. Ludlow, a foodie capital with Michelin-starred restaurants. Thank you very much indeed, and uh, send my dear friend Donna all my love as she's looking after her mum and brother who are both very unwell. Shropshire is famous, Steve, for being the place the Olympics were first thought of. The much Wenlock Games were the inspiration for the Olympics after Pierre Corbettston saw the annual game there, and thank you, Patsy, for that one. Now, Christmas, and I don't want to bring a, a damper to it, but it's a time when, apparently tomorrow, at 10.13, is the time the first argument starts at Christmas. I can't imagine what it would be over but it's a very stressful time for people in relationships, relationships that are going through a a really tough period you might be one of those people, you might be thinking I wish he'd leave or I wish she'd leave or I wish the kids would go and do something else it drives people mad. It's a very stressful time at Christmas. How do we get through it in one piece and emerge smiling the other side? Hopefully the answers come from Denise Knowles who's uh, an agony aunt and relate counsellor Morning Denise. Morning Steve. Oh it's a terrible time isn't it at Christmas for (laughs) some people
9: (laughs) (laughs) it's awful isn't it and i mean we shouldn't be giggling because i mean for most people it is a really happy time let's be fair and the kids have a great great fun and all the rest of it but for some people it is a very stressful time the run-up to christmas is stressful there's high expectations everybody's hoping it's going to be lovely and one small thing goes wrong and this crack, perhaps, that's been there Mm. in the relationship just gets widened because it's such an intense day.
0: And it can actually be anything. It can be a combination of the frustration at trying to get everything done, the frustration maybe of, of not having a job, the frustration of not having any money, the frustration of just everything collapsing and you just don't know where to turn.
9: That's right, and I think, you know when people are trying to sort of make ends meet, as we, we've got an awful lot of people making, trying to en- make ends meet at this time of year, and generally, we've actually got this extra pressure on us. And of course, if you've got children, they open their presents, they're hoping it's going to be what they want, yeah. and when they see that it isn't, they're disappointed. And of course, that sort of permeates into the couple relationship. Mm. Well, if you've got a job or if you hadn't done this, or if you and that's when the finger of blame comes out, and really that's very unhelpful. So that would be one of the things that I would say, if you find yourself arguing and you find yourself pointing the finger of blame, stop right there, because you're just going to spiral down, and it's going to get worse, so don't do it.
0: The the problem is, for, for many children now, and I'm, I suppose we were both as, as guilty as anybody else, you don't know the value. If you see an item up on the television and they go, it's £99, we don't know what £99 is. Pounds is.
9: No, that's absolutely right. You know, £99 could be £9,900. They wouldn't know the difference, really. And I think this is part of the difficulty that we've got an awful lot of things to do in this country, and one of the things is about education. And it's also about educating children into finances, but it's also about educating them into sort of healthy and healthy relationships. Mm. You know, for a lot of adults, they will say, why don't we get taught this at school when they come to see people that relate? Mm. You know, they will go, how come we didn't get this? We didn't know about this and all the rest of it so there's an awful lot of work to do but it starts with parents as well you know parents have actually got to be saying you know what i know that you would really like this but this year we really can't afford it, and that's the thing. What else would you like? What else can we do? And lots and lots of people that I've been talking to have actually been able to sort of be very creative this year. They've maybe pooled their resources and sort of said, well, we'll buy a family present. What would the family like? And of course, that makes the family have to get together and talk about their wishes. And that's all about learning how to compromise and share, which is not a bad thing at this time of year.
0: No, it's interesting. We were talking to Ingrid Seward from Majesty magazine, and in the royal family, they don't spend a lot on presents. In fact, when Diana bought them cashmere jumpers and florists this and Floris that, she was frowned upon because she'd mm. spent too much money. Princess Anne bought Prince Charles a doormat.
9: <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, okay. Um, and I think a lot of, again, what I have come across this year is a lot of families actually setting a budget, you know, whereas they may have spent Sort of, especially the adults, where they may have spent maybe a hundred pounds on one another or even more. They've actually sort of said, right, let's leave it to sort of twenty or thirty pounds. And you know what? One of the things that that's really done, Steve, is made them think about one another. What is mm. it that this person really likes? What do they enjoy? They've maybe had to go and seek out a book or, now um, showing my age here, an LP, <laughs> a CD. An LP. Oh dear, oh dear. You're oh, dear. Over thirty. <laughs> You know, so they're actually sort of having to be much, much more thoughtful about their presents. And that is what Christmas can be about and should be about. It's about thinking about the people that we're buying for, not just this last minute dash out and think, oh, if it doesn't matter how much it costs, that will look good. Yes, And that's the important thing.
0: And I suppose at the end of the day, it's people like you that relate, have to pick up the pieces, because for some people, they do have a breakdown, and they mm. don't know how... I've, I've spoken to people before, I've spoken to famous actresses who, who've been through this breakdown, she said, for, for some reason, she said, I just couldn't stop crying.
9: No, that's right. And, you know, again, Christmas is a very emotional time. And we have to think about people that perhaps won't have certain loved ones around them this year at Christmas, and it's, a, it's because it's such a family-centric time, hmm. when you haven't got a loved one with you, there may be, you know, they've, you've lost them, they've been bereaved, they're away from you. Those are the kind of times when people actually start to become very tearful. And if your relationship is going through a very bad time, and in the new year, you're suddenly aware that, flipping heck, this isn't going to work out for me, you're starting the new year again when you thought it was all going to be hopeful and let's make things different in a sort of a different place. And that can cause an awful lot of harm to you and to others around you. And that's one of the reasons that relates to such an upturn in its, the demand for its services in yes. January, February time.
0: And I've always said it doesn't does fit into one particular age category. It can be across the board.
9: That's right. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter how old or how young or how middle-aged you might be. When your relationship is in difficulty, then it upsets you. It is an upsetting time. I mean, for some people, they can go oh, this is a relief, but in order to get to the relief bit, they've actually gone through a great deal of emotional upset, and, of course, that needs supporting and it needs managing. And, it, you know, I will say this, thing: I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but, you know, the most people that come to relate will actually sort of leave the organisation having had a very positive experience and feeling much, much better, and that outcome may not be them being hand-in-hand in hand into the sunset. It might mean that they've had to separate, but, yes. you know, there are lots of people that can actually be the beginning of a much happier life.
0: Yes, I mean, I've, I've spoken to people over the years. In fact, I, I spoke to one woman. She she never separated from her husband, but he had a, another partner. Mm. And they were all living under the same roof. And, she, and she'd never phoned a radio station before. And she phoned up to say it was, you know, she didn't know what to do should she get out of the relationship because he quite clearly wasn't going to get back with her. Mm. And we were saying, well, you should, because, you know, it, it's a new beginning for you.
9: It is, but... When you've been with somebody for a long time, it can be a very, very difficult decision to make. And that's why it's very important to be able to get some sort of confidential and objective help, which many you know relate centers will say this is what we do come along and have a chat you've not failed and this is one of the things and going back to the christmas idea lots of people feel that they failed if they haven't been able to provide the christmas that they think others expect them to deliver and actually you haven't failed what you've done is you've probably been very prudent you've probably been um, very responsible and that's what it's all about for you as well as for the family if you're having a little bit of a difficulty, then take it on yourself to take some personal responsibility for yourself and then for others and make sure that you're well.
0: Yes, it's, yes, it's, it's having a bit of me time. It it's is. It's having a bit of time to think about yourself and sitting down and looking logically. It's never, it's never as bad as you think it is. There's always no. a bit of light somewhere.
9: <laughs> that, that's absolutely right, Steve. And, of course, the fear of fear is very much more big than the actual fear itself.
0: Absolutely. Listen, I wish you a, a peaceful Christmas, Denise.
9: Thank you so much, and you, Steve, and the rest of the crew there.
0: God bless. Thank you very much Thank indeed. You, thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Denise Bye-bye. Knowles, who's uh, a relationship and uh, agony aren't at relate. It is, It and I know many of you will be thinking that. You'll be thinking, well, that's me. I'm that person. I'm sitting here all by myself. Some people dread Christ- I've got friends who dread Christmas. Dread Christmas. Not, not for any particular reason. It's just they can't stand it. They just don't like Christmas. They don't like, you know, the presents. They don't, they just, they can't wait for it to be over and you can get back to normal. Whereas me, I kind of work Christmas. Although this year I promised myself I wasn't going to work Christmas. Before I knew what had happened, the rotor had been done. So I was kind of stuffed on that one. A bit like our turkey this year. But anyway, so I was sort of, I sort of, and then I thought, actually, do you know, it's not too bad. I got a bit of a lie in this morning. Still woke up at the same stupid o'clock, but it doesn't matter. And, and there's always, you know, there's somebody worse off. Well, I mean, what could be worse, for goodness sake, than getting up and coming into work? Answer is getting up and not coming into work. That could be the worst thing. And I, I cut various items out of the newspapers, to be honest with you. I haven't really got enough uh, time to go through them today. So what I'll do, I'll, I'll do them tomorrow because they're some of our favourite celebrities. And you know how much we love our favourite celebrities. Because uh, I'm enjoying watching some of the Christmas things. Not on the television. But most of it was recorded ages ago. Most of it was recorded such a long time ago. I mean, I know that some of the Christmas shows, August, they do them. So they decorate the studios out. They do, not on the radio. At least on the radio, it's live. I mean, I will... Sorry. I will be live tomorrow. Well, as live as I can be on a Christmas morning. I might even bring in a box of liqueur chocolates. Who knows? I might push the boat out a little bit. I won't, actually. It's <laughs> too risky. I've got to drive later. But it, but it is, it's that kind of thing that when you turn on the television, there's nobody there live, is there? It's the only thing you can equate to is the radio, where there are people live. Although, admittedly, some of the presenters you might hear on LBC over the festive season might not sound as though they're alive. I don't want to mention any... Na- My God, James Max has put on some weight. I bumped into him the other day. When I say bumped into him, I bumped into his stomach first. He's put on a load of weight. He must be in love. He must be in love. People generally put on weight. They're in love. I'm losing by the second. It's a uh, quarter to ten. Hello. He says, I'm trying to be all excited because it's Christmas Eve. Thinking, have I done everything? There'd be nothing worse than sitting here for three hours preaching to everybody and saying, "This is what you've got to do," and then getting home and going, "I've forgotten something." I know I'm going to do it. I know. Uh, coming up after ten with James Max this morning. Oh, we already talked about James Max a minute ago, and lo and behold, he's here after ten. What a quick booking that was. The Royal Mail is facing privatisation, but do we care? But well, we only care when it's Christmas, uh, and maybe it was a, a Teletubby or a Buzz Lightyear, a Furby. What Christmas toy defined your era? I think mine was a piece of chalk or a hoop. <laughs> James Max, what, what, what Christmas toy defined your era? Good lord! In James Max's case, I don't. What would it be? I don't know. Some battery-operated thing, I should imagine. Can only think about that. Battery-operated toys for James Max more I think about it, the funnier it is. Uh, anyway, eight for eight five uh, in my own private world, having a strange little uh, moment here. Uh, Karen says, thank you for entertaining me. I wish you a great Christmas. I'd love to have you at my Christmas table. Not having a turkey this year, are you then? Uh, Steve, sprouts are to vegetables. What Kit Kat is to confectionery. King. Michael in Crystal Palace says, always good to wake up with you. Can you ask Christopher to get a move on with the bacon butty and the cuppa? I'm lying in bed, and it's not going very well at all. <laughs> and Peter, Peter at Hamwell, I hope he gets better soon. And uh, Warren says, uh, cooking tips will be tomorrow. Yes, I think we're going to do cooking tips tomorrow. I'm hoping, by the time I start at seven, you'll, have had the, you'll at least have slammed the turkey in the oven. I'm hoping so. So, yes, we will do that tomorrow, Warren. Tomorrow, he says... Well, we'll do that. Uh, Another one here. As per usual, says Kevin the Milkman, making sure that my customers got their milk and cream orders organised. So my Christmas shopping spree was at the Harvey Centre yesterday. The cards, alas, remain unwritten on the dining table again. Happy Christmas. And one here. Shropshire blue cheese comes from Shropshire. You make me smile, says Monica. I know it's probably wind, though. It's probably wind. I'll get you a kite for Christmas. And Steve and Friday night's Slade documentary showed Dave Hill buying a house next door to a girls' school. In hindsight, not a great idea. Yes. Yes. I... Yes, I like that. I saw that. And all these girls are leaning over his fence because he was a big star, Dave Hill, from Slade. He was the one with the... (coughs) Excuse me, the long hair. I don't know what I did see yesterday. I saw McFly. Now, at one point, McFly were all tattoos and rehab and everything else. Have you noticed? Somebody's on me going. Listen, we need to, you know, to keep you going... So we're going to smarten you up. So they put them all in identical suits, which makes them look a little bit like the Osmans, but it's quite sweet, it's a nice idea. And they all look great. They all look very fit and buff... And I thought, it was a nice little show, actually. Nice little show. And it was ruined by, they brought on that dreadful girl from Coronation Street, which ruined it for me, I'm afraid. Absolutely ruined it. Sorry? No, it wasn't Helen Flanagan, mercifully. I don't think she'll be booked for anything soon, unless it's dropping her down an open sewer. Can't think of anything else. I mean, she's too stupid for words. Even one of the columnists. In fact, I cut it out, so I'll do it tomorrow on the, on the programme. Um, I think it's Carol Malone, says, I mean, really, stupidity is just embarrassing nowadays. You don't want stupid people on the television. Um, lovely to hear you today, says Liz. Please say hello to my mum and thank her for all the cooking she's done for me to, for tomorrow, which is lovely. There you go. So, uh, well done. Thank you, Barbara, in Surrey. Says, if you soap a flannel and drape it over the back of your head, you'll be able to reach all parts of your back. You're joking. I can't reach all parts of my back at all, I'm afraid. Very stressful time because of awful relatives, Steve, and men don't help with the housework. Uh, CJ... Says now, now, Steve. Shropshire is wonderful. I live in Broseley. Is it Broseley just up the road from the famous Iron Bridge? This Iron Bridge it's very famous, isn't it? In is that what it's like? So we live in Shropshire with an Iron Bridge. Oh God, the first ever Iron Bridge. Oh right, it's one of those. It's it's very famous Iron Bridge. Linda says I'm from Shropshire, uh, but live in London for thirty two years. Shropshire is famous for the Industrial Revolution, hence the Iron Bridge. Lovely, beautiful Shrewsbury with its little alleyways and beautiful independent shops. Lovely. Sounds delightful, doesn't it, really, actually? And Alison as well says, you keep me in touch. Thank you very much indeed for that one. And uh, Angela in Beckenham says, uh, you've made my day being on at this time. Got lots of those, which is nice. Andy Spiegel, I'm going to have to Google you later, actually. Uh, And Karen says, uh, I'm having a turkey. I just love you so much, I thought I'd share my sprouts with you. Thanks. People are so generous, aren't they? They really are wonderful. Um, Bacon butty after the show? I don't think so. Uh, Sue Ann in Stockwell says, I'm in fairly good health. Got the DVD set of Joan Crawford films. You'd have to be gay, wouldn't you? I mean, nobody in their right mind gets a Joan Crawford set of films <laughs> for Christmas. And, um uh... Kathleen says, uh, all alone for the third year at Christmas. So lonely. My mum died three years ago. It's hard when nobody invites you. Listen, you've always got us here. You've always got us here. Sadly, as I say, I'm with you tomorrow. Just to, <laughs> to ruin everybody's, uh, everybody's Christmas. No, I shall make it much better. It'll be good, actually. I promise you. Very, very good. Uh, one here. That's one I go... Oh, I've got something from Costco. A Christmas card. But I, I can't download it at the moment. Uh, another one here. Chris in Rygate. And he sent me a thing about, about Christmas. I love it. Do you know what we didn't have this year? We didn't have making the Christmas pudding, did we? On the subject of red sprouts, waitrose sell them, says Sue in Cambly. And Warren said the same. I think Warren said that uh, somebody does red... I'd never even heard of these things before. Isn't it funny? I think it was... Well, perhaps it wasn't Warren. No, he says red sprouts... No, does he mean purple sprouts? Oh, right. Could be purple sprouts, couldn't it? Purples. I don't know. Purple sprouts. I've heard of purple sprouting Broccoli. But never... Oh, no, I'm looking at a picture of red... No, they're purple. They're purple. They're definitely purple. Unless somebody's tightened their grip on them, particularly at the bottom. But that's what it looks like to me. They actually look... They look more purple than red. I'm not going to argue about uh, anybody. Uh, Steve Sandy's fish shop queue is back to Thomas Cook. <laughs> I thought it would be. I thought it's it's his busy day today. I've got to get a haircut later. I've so got to get a haircut. doesn't mean anything to you, but it means a heck of a lot to my hairdresser. Uh, fantastic surprise, says Heatherin Loughton. I don't get up that early, so I hear you at this time. Wonderful. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. I'm not going to get through all of these. Um, It says, um, I've just read Steve Allen's message for 2012. Have you recycled last year's message? At the end it says, let's look forward to 2012. No, I'm being regressed. I'm being regressed. I've decided to do everything from last year. We didn't do something new on there this year. Any tips for leftover sprouts? Rabbits apparently like sprouts. Rabbits like sprouts. Um, uh, Dan says, sadly, Shropshire... Is in the West Midlands, however, we're right at the top and a lot more countryside than any other place in the West Midlands. Sadly, no big attractions, plenty of garden centres and nice walks for you. Home of Charles Dickens as well, but sadly, no good radio. That's why we listen to you on DAB. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Cannot live without you, says B, listening in uh, uh, a place called Nendaz in Switzerland. Sounds delightful. Sounds delightful. Have you got a bar of Toblerone with you or something like that? Or cuckoo clocks. Uh, love to Jackie, Karen, Paul, Diana, Jill, etc. And that's from somebody else. I went gliding on the Long Mind once, 125 kilometres an hour along the ridge. I don't even know what that is. Is that a mountain range or something in Shropshire? Is that where the earth came up? Um, I was visualising the girls on those channels beckoning you that tickled me earlier, says Julietta. Nadine, my workmate, heard you say my name. I know, it's so funny. Sam Pittis has clipped it. I don't think it's running in the news bulletin. We've had most things clipped for the news bulletin today. The Sprout Trust has been set up in honour of Sprouts, says Alex. Thank you very much. <laughs> the, the things I get sent to me, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and somebody says, for a tickly cough, rub Vicks on the sole of your feet. Can't bear the smell of Vic. I cannot bear the smell of Vic. Isn't it funny? I wouldn't. I have to rub other stuff on my feet, I'm afraid. And uh, Peter from Wimbledon says, I, I love your show. I'm very sorry, but as a foreigner... I have to admit that British food and cuisine is very tasteless. Never understand how people could be getting so excited about doing sprouts, turkey and some boiled vegetables. Oh, it's delicious. It's so delicious. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to ruin anybody's Christmas, but I'm I'm so looking forward to it. And uh, Neil has made some little strawberry snowmen. Now you fibbed. I have you really made these? Because a friend of mine's got a very similar picture, and he lifted it from the internet. <laughs> he lifted it from the internet. I quite like the idea of taking strawberries like that. I'm not. No, I say I'm not totally convinced that you've made them, because I've seen a very similar picture. They, they look good, don't they? I quite like stuff like that. Always amuses me. Trait amusément. Sadly, look, look, we've really run out of time here. I'm running out of time. Wait a minute, let me quickly go to uh, one here. Where did I get this one? Oh, on the Queen's speech. Paul says that the Queen watches the speech by herself, apparently. She's already seen this, year's. And it's pictured in the paper wearing a very fetching pair of 3D specs. We're hoping a bit of Ray Conniff tomorrow. I'm hoping as well. I'm not, I'm not holding out too much hope at the moment, but I'm trying to sneak it in. Okay, Jackie from Paddock Wood is working today and on call throughout the holidays. So send greetings to all in the medical services working all the way through. Absolutely. (coughs) Excuse me. I do beg your pardon. The coffers now returned. I didn't see Mr Stink yesterday. Hugh Bonneville was just superb. Says Vaughan in Cheem. Hi, Vaughan. And uh, from Stephen, he said, I'm one of your younger fans. And I remember the first time I heard you and I thought, I've never heard anything like that before. That's what most people say. I'm not, not sure whether it's a good thing. Sadly, listen, no more time. So you'll have to uh, download this podcast. It'll be up a little bit later on for you. OK, I should go and put the cards upstairs. And I'll, I'll be back uh, tomorrow morning uh, from 7. So I don't want to, any excuses about being late Christmas morning. Because if you've got children, they're going to be up at the crack of dawn. They're going to be all excited and opening the presents and doing all bits and pieces. So uh, you will be up early because you know what the kids are like. You know, oh, it's for Shona the Gardener, and a lad have been busy. I did get that one, Bruce. And uh, he said, we've asked all the shopkeepers and rileys to keep an eye on them. So there you go. Richmond Borough in Bloom. Thank you. I do recognise the picture, because they shoved it through the door. So at least I know what the planters look like now. And if you're over the road at Sandy's, they've got their own little planters outside. Um, What else are I going to tell you? Yes, thank you for the cards. Thank you for all the texts and emails. Thank you for your company this morning. So, if you feel like it and you're not doing anything tomorrow between 7 and 10, you could always pop, what, my face in the wrong way? What's the matter? I haven't, I haven't got a Santa I know. I haven't got a Santa hat. Should I have to wear one tomorrow? I can't go and stand for the bus wearing a Santa hat. to look ridiculous. It's bad enough being on the bus and being recognised. People think I've fallen on hard times. It's dreadful. I stand at the gate. All oh, you're on the bus. And they look at me with such pity in their eyes. You know, and you think, no, I'm all right, really. I can afford a taxi if I want one. Well, I wouldn't spend too much uh, on, on a taxi. Not at, not this time of year. A bottle of vodka to buy, I think, somewhere. Another bottle of Grey Goose. Anyway, have yourself a lovely day. I hope you managed to get everything done today. So tomorrow we'll do it again between 7 and 10. And we do it Boxing Day 7 till 10 again. And, uh, God, make me funny tomorrow. And, uh, and uh, make me have another piece of Christmas cake. It's always advisable if you're, if you're a diabetic to have something that's totally wrong. But it's only at this time of year. So all the stuff that we didn't do today... And I want to do tomorrow. I want to do some gadgets on the program, and we're going to do cooking. And we're going to do well—not not actually cooking. I don't think we've actually ever done cooking on the program, but we try and sort of give you that last-minute hint on if you haven't defrosted the turkey. And for God's sake, take the giblets out. Okay? Just—I like tell you, my mother left them in three years running. So, on behalf of all of us on the team, have a super, super Christmas. Because I won't be here at midnight tonight. But I believe tomorrow morning there's the best of Steve Allen and some in conversations. And everything else like that. Okay, so download the program a little bit later on. There'll be a, po- I think there's a podcast, and there'll be a blog up a little bit later on if she can put her mind to it. But I mean, no. most of them are three sheets to the wind round here. After the news at ten, it's James Max. Thanks very much indeed,
6: Steve. Very good morning to you. London's biggest conversation continues with me, James Max, after the news. At 10, we're
0: well, coming up the health effects of being lonely, the toys that define a generation, updates on the continued floods around the country, and why Latin and Greek can make a school comeback. But first, privatising the Royal Mail could see the end of daily deliveries for that flat price that you pay. Well, most of us, we ignore the Postal Service for most of the year. But when did you last post a personal letter? me call. Oh, 0845 six, oh, six, oh,